Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters with your hosts, Walker Neer and Brett Lindley. I'm Walker, and this week we are joined by professional StarCraft II streamer Steadfast. If you'd like to support the show, you can buy us a cup of coffee over at our Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi slash p-u-y-s-pod. Also in this episode, we do have a bit of adult language at the end, in case you've got some kiddos listening. As always, I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, Brett Lindley. How are hey, you doing this evening, Brett? Doing great. Thank you so much. Awesome. And as I said in the intro, we also have professional StarCraft II streamer Steadfast, a.k.a. Dave Luz, here with us. Uh, Steadfast, how are you doing tonight, man? Oh, I'm doing great. Got a, Just got out of the shower feeling nice and refreshed, ready to talk. Uh, just talk. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to hear that you bathed for us. Most people don't give us that. Kind <laughs> yeah, of I mean, it's, it's very important for a podcast. that you should know. <laughs> <laughs> it, It's like smiling while you talk. It comes through. It really it does. does. It does. Um, <laughs> well, so like I said, um, so so you're you're doing some streaming for, for professional StarCraft 2. Um, that's actually kind of how we connected. We've been sponsoring the team exxon uh, weekly tournament and and you're you're casting those games so we kind of encountered each other there how long have you been uh, casting starcraft 2 matches uh well my first gig <clears throat> sorry clearing my throat my first gig was uh actually some time ago that was like five six years ago oh, wow. i think that was uh kings of the north uh that was a tournament that took place it was a LAN event uh Oh, sorry. That was twenty. Sorry, twenty sixteen. So four years ago. Okay. Um, that was the first one that I kind of did that was like uh, a legit gig. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> before that, I had done uh, the Legacy of the Void launch party. Uh, casted a couple show matches. Casted a couple tournaments back in twenty fifteen. Uh, then the first like I guess big tournament kind of thing was uh yeah like I said twenty sixteen at Kings of the North. And then I kind of did a couple things here and there and then kind of let it fall, fall off a little bit, but uh, got back into it a little bit more seriously. Uh, April, I guess I would say April of 2019 is when I started streaming seriously. And then uh, the casting gigs kind of, you know, flowed in a little bit and uh, yeah, wherever, wherever I can cast, I'll cast. Awesome. So, so yeah. Um, I guess did you had you played StarCraft avidly or something before? Okay. I I have the answer to that one. <laughs> <laughs> A Grandmaster Zerg if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Yeah. Uh yes, yeah that um uh, maybe not so much now. It's it's kind of one of those things where I teeter uh around the brink of uh high masters and uh low GM. That's kind of a meme by the way. Uh <laughs> the, the high diamond low uh low, ma low GM masters. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> um but yeah no i've I've played since uh since legacy of or sorry since wings of liberty beta mm. so uh starcraft 2 is is one of the the oldest uh oldest i guess modern esports out right. there at the moment yeah, yeah. maybe only uh, outdone by brood war right <laughs> yes yeah yeah absolutely well I, I mean you could argue even like quake and like counter-strike true but i i guess counter-strike is kind of uh like it started with source and then 1.6 and now we have go so it's it, you know it's kind of uh i guess evolved so you could count those as different games and i'm right. sure i'm sure many people do oh yeah. <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure they push their glasses up and say well actually and tell you all about it so. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, Brett, go ahead. No, no. So, I mean, so as a, as like going back to, you, you know, you as a player, um, so you, you said you started with Wings of Liberty and beta actually even, which is, I, I don't think I started until at least Wings of Liberty when it, when it came out. I mean, I was a star original Starcraft fan as well as listeners of the show all know, but, mm -hmm. um, was, I guess kind of going back further than that was Starcraft two, where you really started going after gaming kind of a little bit more professionally was it like natural to you or did you kind of sit down and say like i want to make this a thing i want to try to go pro uh definitely the <clears throat> the allure of the esports dream was so real for me in uh when you know because i remember uh even before starcraft 2 dropped <clears throat> i'd always been a big fan of like strategy games in general uh, I remember as a kid loving Advance Wars for the uh, the Game Boy Advance. Nice. I don't see play that series. Yeah, such a great series. So much fun. Um, yeah, so playing that and like never really having like that that itch scratched, you know, uh, never really feeling that. Uh, but then uh, I, I had heard about Brood War, but the the barrier to entry was really significant back in those days. There was no active ladder. If you wanted to play, you had to like download the. Uh, the IC Cup client. Oh um, yeah, it, it was it was a really big barrier to entry, and and me, just some idiot high schooler, uh, didn't really have the technical know how. Uh, and it, it's not like you could just Google stuff and right, it was find the, the right thing. answer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now you can like you can go on you know Stack Overflow and it'll be like, oh yeah, so here's how you design your own Brute War server, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay, cool, I'll I'll just do these things and. uh yeah, but uh, yeah, back in the day, uh, I remember in 2008, uh, they announced it and they were showing these battle reports. And it was Dustin Browder commentating a bunch of David Kim's games. And like, yep. Yep. It's, it's like showing off all this cool stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah, baby. Like everything seemed that. like everything seemed like a cheat. Oh, like, but so like banelings, are you kidding? Like they just explode and they're made from Zerg. Like the Zerg's going to be unstoppable. And then like. Yeah. Like just every unit that was showcased seemed so over the top compared to the original units. Like, yeah. and it, and it really was. It was like it was such a uh, such a renaissance um, because it was like the first the first game that kind of uh, catapulted, I guess, uh, Justin TV, and then which mm -hmm. became obviously Twitch TV. Uh, and it was, you know, there was people broadcasting on own 3d. It was, it was, it was really big. Like Justin TV was created so that people who are fans of, uh, the player Idra could watch <laughs> him play Clock. his ladder games and, yep. and like, and look at what it's grown into now. So it's, it's kind of cool. Uh, I, yeah, sorry, go on. No, no, I didn't mean to cut you off, man. I'm so sorry. I, I was just going to, Idra just made me think, I, I remember actually watching the game when he, uh, quit to the, uh, the hallucinated, Yes. Yeah. 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 Hux. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh man. But anyway, just yeah. Anyway, I, I that's completely my bad. Interrupting you. <laughs> to share oh. that Idra thought. I just <laughs> I got excited. <laughs> and and that, that's the thing. That was part of the appeal. Is like it wasn't just like now. I love the game, and and the people who are left are the are only people who like love the game. Like you don't have anyone who's just in it for the money, which is cool in its own right. But back in the day. You could talk about, you could say top three control and people will be like, ha, huck. And like, you could, you could be like, oh man, like, did you see GSL last night? And it, right. Going you full could, well, it was at 5 a.m. 
you could everyone would say yes like everybody could share so much more because like I, I knew that starcraft esports was a thing but i would like for brood war but i was pretty disconnected from it because youtube wasn't really even there and yeah. if it was it wasn't a place where games were really like you didn't get videos of games there's much more a vlog thing and so but with starcraft 2 and you know the rise of youtube and justin tv and stuff you could talk about like oh man did you catch the day nine daily or you know did you see the most recent match and and being able to share in that in the same way that you know i'd grown up seeing other people share in other professional sports it it really filled an understanding for me because i was never really like i got like the super bowl and stuff like whatever but being able to share in that kind of daily water cooler experience in a sport and have it have that same level of excitement that i saw other people have for their teams like it, it I, I got an understanding of why people liked doing that all of a sudden and and it was great to be able to have you know live videos and and that brought with it also like the training, the tutorials, understanding you didn't have to go to a forum to read a build and wonder if somebody was trolling. You could see somebody show it to you. <laughs> right. That's a really great point. I, I, I agree with everything you said, but I, that didn't even occur to me. Like, yeah, that's, that's something you had to watch out for. Like you could legitimately invest so much of your personal, like <laughs> for lack of a better term, man hours into researching something that was just, yeah, they were just memeing with you. They were just, mm -hmm. they were just messing with you. Insanity uh, if it doesn't work, because then you just think you're doing it wrong. And you're like, why am I not good enough? Starcraft? Why won't you accept me? <laughs> and it turns out you just got trolled. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are some things that, that the pros can pull off that if you read it on a forum, you'd be like, this is trolling me. And then, you know, an all queen build or something against, you know, it, there is some level of control that goes in there, but. <laughs> so as far as, you know, it sounds like Starcraft um, was, was kind of something that you had kind of latched onto pretty early in its development and, or at least Starcraft two, I should say. Um, it, was there ever a time with any other game or was Starcraft the only one that you had kind of competed at that, at that level with? And you have to understand, even if you didn't actually ever make money playing StarCraft, which maybe you did, but but at the Grandmaster level, Brad and I uh, were really thrilled uh, when we got to gold last year. Yeah. So <laughs> you think you're the meme. We're the bronze league heroes. Yeah, we are. So I would rather be your meme. But but anyway, <laughs> was there any other game? Uh, that Oh, man. In terms of like video games that I had that level of competition for, I don't think there was anything that I really... I definitely had that competitive itch and that competitive drive, but I don't think there was anything that really uh, appealed to me in the same ways. Like I, I played, you know, a little bit of Call of Duty on the Xbox Live in high school, and I was like, "Oh man, yeah, I'm gonna get so many kills. I'm so good at video." And then, like, you know, you're you're terrible. Um, but like, you're like, "Oh man, look at me! I, I got a 1.3 KD uh, oh, yeah. ratio." Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, it's, it's actually just garbage in the grand scheme of things. There's no ranked matchmaking. Um, so I think part of the appeal for StarCraft II was that it came equipped with that ladder. It yeah. came equipped with like a very measurable sense of like, okay, how did I do this game? Even even the um, the screen after the game, it's got your APM. 
if there's a star, you did better than your average. It's got right. your average supply block time. It's got yeah. uh, resource collection. It's got supply. Does it have supply block? Yeah, it does. It does have yeah. supply block mm-hmm. timing. Yeah. So like it's got all these like valuable metrics that you can look at and be like, yeah, I did better than ghost me or, oh man, I am playing terrible today. Um, <laughs> and, and it was very measurable and in front of you. And that, that was something that I think I really craved uh, quite a bit. Yeah, I was always really also impressed with the replay system. Um, the only other game I, that I have a lot of experience with, and I'm sure there are others that people will now message us about and tell me I was wrong, but um, would be Halo 3. Halo 3 came with a really robust replay system where you could play a match and then load it up and go and watch and see what happened. Because in the thick of it, it can be hard to understand, how did I lose? When, where Then you go back and watch the replay, and it's like, oh, because I made the most obvious you know <laughs> mistake right there. Um Kind of like this is totally not relevant to anyone who didn't see the tournament games last night, but like when Vanya rolled all of his banelings into the rocks last oh night. Oh my god! <laughs> oh god, right that before, was right before his base comes under siege, <laughs> like just seconds before, just the banelings that were supposed to defend that base all into a rock. <laughs> yep. God, and, and the game was so even for that whole time mm-hmm. too. And he bare like he broke the push, but it was like a pyrrhic victory, like it was just too expensive. And if he'd literally had that just little bit of first shock more, it would have snowballed the game, and I think he would have probably won in yeah. the next two minutes. Like. It was yeah. so ridiculously close. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Like, now, obviously, you can you can be in the game and know that. But, like, if you can't see that happen, something a little bit more subtle, like, oh, man, like, I didn't have these drones mining. How long were they not mining for? If you don't check the replay, you can't be like, wow, that was two minutes where an entire base wasn't mining. That's like... I, I missed my right click and rallied three drones outside of the Vespine geyser for, like, yeah. five minutes. They just yeah. sat there. Like, man... Yeah, and all yeah, so you don't know like what is the what happened there. Uh and then even further than that, uh to speak to the re- replay system and how they've they've kind of uh had such a beefy one. Uh, the I don't remember when they added it, but the addition to resume from replay and oh, the man. addition to yes. go back into a game and immediately see. You don't even have to load up the replay. You can immediately see like what happened is a really really big boon to uh, players like, well, I would say players like Serral, players like Lambo, players that really are like, I want to, I want to get everything perfect. Like, I want it to be, uh, I want to play the ideal game of StarCraft. I don't want to just, you know, play a really good game. I want it to be perfect. Right. <clears throat> yeah, it's really cool too. There's a, a a streamer you may be familiar with named Vibe. Yes. Yeah. From like Root Gaming, I think, but he has some cool YouTube. Um, like bronze to GM type series, right? For for all yeah. three races. The amount of time that he puts into that is is crazy, by the way. But um actually I just completely lost my train of thought with where I was going Replay with my resumes. Yes, thank you. <laughs> whenever he whenever he gets done, because he'll play a match, because he's actually playing on a new account from bronze to GM, he'll finish the match and then what you were just describing immediately just launch the replay you know from right there and 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 then go in and start explaining more things to you know which is someone trying to learn or or watching or whatever it's um yeah just just a super cool feature well it's almost like i mean in the in the speedrunning community there's they call taz or tool assisted Mm. speedruns yeah and and that's where you can go in and replay like every frame until it's perfect and and have inputs on every frame and it's very similar to that sort of thing to be able especially to resume from replay like if a battle goes one-sided, but it was close and you want to know 
if I micro this a little bit differently, or if I set up a, a second earlier and deployed my siege tanks when I knew the assault was coming, or however it goes, you get that feedback, and and you know you don't have the same like the opponent won't change their reaction, but you can at least play with that moment and see what happens if you do that one thing differently. And I think that is is a huge change to how you tools to help you learn is not something you get in a lot of games. It'd be like having an aim an aim improver in Call of Duty or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I would um I would agree with that. And uh, to your point, you actually even theoretically, if you're like, oh man, I played this guy, I played this game, but I feel like there might be a, a vulnerability in it. You even can have someone actually hop into that replay with you, resume from let's say the 12 minute mark, and be like, can you do this differently? instead of right. what they did you can see like oh man like there is a vulnerability there i need to address this i need to shore this up so like it, it it's really a fantastic tool like you said and it's very very uh uncommon and it, and it makes for a it's funny because i would argue that it's one of the most unsolvable games out there but it oh, makes yeah. it as salt like it, it gives you so many uh assists to do so and it, it really well, like before, sorry, I, I didn't mean to, but no, no worries. Before the arcade, really, like it launched with, of course, a healthy map maker like the original did and, and Warcraft 3. Mm. But before the trainers really hit, like Baneling micro trainers or Marine micro trainers, that resume from replay could just be okay, I'm going to roll 50 Banelings at you, kill as many of them as you can with these five Marines. Like, <laughs> And then just keep resuming from that point. You don't have to reload a whole map or wait on, you know, block out a room or a lobby or whatever. Like a, a coach could coach a player, like a professional, just one-on-one -on -one for hours on end training very specific things over and over. Yeah, agreed, 100%. And uh, it's, it's cool to see uh, a little bit of a tangent based on what you're saying about coaches, but uh, you're right about... Well, specifically coaching is like players who have had successful StarCraft II careers are, and Brood War for that matter, are very highly valued in uh, other games. So like League of Legends just picked up Polt. Oh, okay. Uh, oh. For example, uh, <laughs> a League of Legends team. And then before that, uh, it's a little bit different because it's like a managerial position, but Huck, uh, top three control, top three uh overwatch league team for a very oh. long time like he was he was huh. managing the um uh, the front office of boston uprising and i think he's still i believe he still is i believe he still is didn't know that um oh. yeah no it's it's a it's like a big transition uh and then i believe i love Uve, one of the very very successful terran players from brood war uh he recently became a coach or maybe he became the coach for the law team and Polt got picked up by another team but regardless like there's been a lot of uh a lot of cross-pollination because they recognize the uh, advantages you gain from having all these tools at your disposal and the ability to improve and how you improve uh, and it's just really cool to see that kind of translated mm -hmm. so yeah. i know that uh, a lot of or not a lot of, but there are quite a few StarCraft players that have both cross-pollinated to and from poker because of a lot of the similarities between uh, a lack of information, a lot of, at the high level, the mind games are a very real thing, and, and bluffing builds or setting up things just to, to mess with the, the mind of your opponent. 
and the the similarities between that and poker and and making plays without enough information to know if you're going to win or not uh, has seen a lot of success for people to transition both to and from like good poker players make good Starcraft players and vice versa. So, yeah, just to speak to your point a little bit. Yeah, uh, Elkie, one of the most successful Brood War players. Hmm. One of the most successful poker players. Like, he's yep. actually a world-class poker player. Uh, Kiwi Kaki. Kiwi Kaki, uh, however you say it. Uh, Jonathan Garneau, a very, very successful StarCraft II player known specifically for inventing new builds, uh, figuring out new ways to play the game. A very successful poker player. Not, not quite on the level of Elki, but, uh, you know, I would say just below world-class type of thing. Like, he's he's ranked in World Series of Poker. But you're still ma- winning money at that point. Oh, he's winning. A, <laughs> he's not just making a living. He's winning a crap ton of money, right. you know? Like, yeah, he's it's a good career choice. Huh. That's really interesting. Well, so there's a few different directions I, 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 I have to go. So we'll just go all of them in a random order. Um <laughs> But one of the things that I'm curious of, you know, we talked about Brood War and talked about how it's it's so crazy to me that StarCraft II is 10 years old, right? Like it doesn't, which just shows my age because time starts to get more and more confusing as you get older and older. But um, I mean, I remember when when StarCraft II came out and that had been, what, 14 years or 12 years since Brood War had come out? Yep, 12 years, yeah. that felt like that felt like 12 years. You know what I mean? It felt like 30 years. <laughs> Whereas this doesn't feel like 10 years to me, but, but beyond just the time of it, you know, I mean, Starcraft two is in so many ways. And I, and I don't, I'm not trying to, to argue with purists who, who might love brood war more as a game, but just like graphically, it looks way better sound wise all of the features we've been talking about, just all of the native stuff built into it. Um, and, you know, personally, I've tried to go back and play Brood War, and I hate that I can only select, like, you know, four tanks at a time or whatever. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, all those little limitations, which I know the purists will say that's what makes it better or whatever, right? Because there's mm-hmm. all these extra mechanical things. Um, but but I guess my, what I'm trying to get to is that, so, so Brood War to StarCraft II, I see it because there are so many obvious very distinct changes that could be made but something like a starcraft 3 which you know blizzard has not announced anything like that but i guess i don't really fully understand what it would even look like i mean do you have any thought on what a a future version of it could really do that would be that so starkly different in the way that 2 was to brood war oh that's that's um that that is a big question that is a really good question um i I don't think we're ever going to see a StarCraft 3. I should preface it with this. But I think we are going to see a... What would you even call that? Like, basically what Frost Giant is going to be working on is the closest thing we'll see to a StarCraft 3. And it's going to be basically the natural evolution. And it, it, it's going to answer those questions of what do you see next? What do you see mm-hmm. as the, the next move forward? And right now, I think they're kind of deciding whether they're going to make a Warcraft 4 type game or whether they're going to make a StarCraft 3 type game. And, and of course, one of the big questions is, you know, do we include heroes? Do we focus more on large scale or small scale? Uh, micro versus macro, uh, you know, five bases versus two bases. Like, what? Th- these are all questions that are coming up right now. Uh, but as far as what I think uh, StarCraft Three should look to do is one, 
appeal to a much more casual audience, not for the not for the one v one competitive ladder. I think you still keep that at its purest form. You keep it a a high skill ceiling. I think you can lower the skill floor a little bit, but I think there needs to be the ability for you know higher level players to differentiate themselves. And for the most part, they've done a very good job recently uh, retooling a lot of things that were wrong with StarCraft Two, or I mean, wrong is the wrong word. Uh, maybe lacking in StarCraft 2 to allow for, you know, better multitasking, better mechanics, etc., stuff like that to shine. Uh, but I think that barrier to entry needs to be much more accessible, much, much diminished. So you talked about it going into Brood War, you load it up and you're like, well, crap, like I, I have to, if I, if I want to move my army around the map, I need... 350 APM to move it even a little bit effectively. Uh, I'm fighting the the unit pathing. So right. it, it just, and and don't get me wrong. When I see a good Brood War match, I like, it, it gets me excited. It's well, cool. It's impressive. It, yeah. But it's not even realistically, I've been spoiled so much by the smoothness of StarCraft 2 that like, I look at some of the stuff with Brood War and having not necessarily done all of it, like, you know, casting three storms in a row. In StarCraft II, that's a given because of smart right. casting. It's very, very easy to do. But in Brood War, you have to click each unit, click, click, click. Like, you have to be very good. It's not an easy thing to do. But because of how every other game on the market has now created this very smooth feel, it, it's very prohibitive for people joining the, uh, joining the scene. Uh, sorry, go on. No, no, please, please. Uh, so yeah, you end up with this situation where I, I think, I think you have to be very careful with the next iteration of RTS, um, which by the way, I'm so happy the frost giant is taking the reins on that. Um, and yeah, I think you have to really try and angle towards like, uh, going in both directions. So they, they mentioned already that they're going to be including something like co-op, if not just co-op straight up right from the get-go, which is so good because the player base, uh, and it's funny because I like never interact with this player base because I'm my focus is 1v1 and you know competitive play for myself and watching and casting competitive play. But I know for a fact that the co-op pool, the player pool is much, much larger than that of the 1v1 ladder. And it, it's, it, it's it, the fact that that exists and the fact that it's still at its core has an RTS genre to it it still has resource collection it still has uh army positioning decision making like they're they're you know simpler i was gonna say dumbed down but that's not really fair there's they're a little bit more simple but well, they are mutations in there and and you still have to be ridiculously good <laughs> exactly exactly and i think that's uh a really great thing uh first of all the mutations what was a master stroke from blizzard yeah. from the, the person who came up with them really well done um, Let's take the things that everybody hated about Diablo three elite units and just put it in Starcraft. <laughs> yeah, literally. They they probably even ported over some of the code. Like, why not? Like you've already you've already got it. I'm I'm sure that there was a, a lot of cross pollination uh with that. And it, it it made for such an exciting, uh refreshing thing for something that could have easily gotten stale and gotten boring in the first two months. Right. I know David Kim involved with both so it probably is <laughs> stuff there well so the you know i think you're i think you're you're um i think you're right about the accessibility needing to be greater so i think that i, 
I think that if StarCraft II would have come out in like 2013 instead of 2010, it might be more popular now than it is. Now, obviously, there's there would only be seven years instead of 10. But the reason that I say that is because the MOBA really stole a lot of the thunder of the RTS. I mean, they're very different games to play, but at the same time, they're games that required you to learn a ton about not just the character you're going to play, but all of the opponents you might face. And they're, they're just very, very mechanically demanding games as well. Like it's not hard to play league of legends, but it's hard to play league of legends at the highest levels, right? right? Just like Starcraft. Um, but league of legends or, or Dota or whatever MOBA you want to pick. I think that a they're free to play. Right. So I think that immediately tracks, attract a larger well and they were free to they were free to play it at a time when that was not really a popular thing too yeah they they helped pioneer that as a a marketing campaign right whereas if starcraft ends from the beginning that might feel more natural too right right Um, but then beyond that i think the team aspect of it so what you were speaking to steadfast about the um about the co-op while co-op is not the same as team versus team pvp it still is a way for people to get together with friends. And, and a lot of people I know the game, that's almost exclusively why they game is for a, a social outlet, right? And they want to they get together and play with their friends, which for me, it's funny because for me, StarCraft, and again, I'm not any good, but I've, I've played <laughs> throughout the years. What appeals to me is the fact that it's one-on-one. So if I do learn and, and finally get into Gold League, it's on my own merit, right? And right. if I suck and fall back down into bronze, that's on me too. Whereas in League of Legends, like I might be a great support. I'm sure I'm not, to be clear, but let's assume, <laughs> let's assume I was. But if my team is terrible, that's I'm still at their mercy, right? So to me, yep. it seems like StarCraft should be more popular because you're not relying on this team stuff. But that's not what drives a lot of people to play because they want those social things. Um, I think that, so for me, something that whatever a if you're trying to make a successor not just in an rta space but in an esports space if you're going for that and that's a lot to go for that's a lot because you're trying to hit a broad market and an esport esportable game and and an rts like that's already a lot to demand but i think if you want to go the esports route there are some things that i think you could learn from like dota and and some other uh, you know, some of the more MOBA style games that I think could apply really well. And even capturing more of those, those social aspects, something like being able to have all of your team information, like almost all of the stuff that's in Liquipedia in the game. So if I go to team Exxon, I can see all the players. I can click on their stats. I can see when they last, like being able to see and interact with those stats and those numbers and have them available in game is going to be something that keeps people in the game. Likewise, like with Dota, being able to buy tickets to like tournaments in game using use an in-game currency or whatever, or just being able to purchase it however you, you go about that or view the tournament in game so that you could have, you know, spectators, but you've got to be logged into the game to do it is going to drive people to be in the game. And and those type of social aspects and that type of esport like focus is that if you want to participate in the esport, it's all within the game. You don't have to go to Twitch. You go to the game. It, it puts a lot more demands. That means you have to have streaming stuff. It's higher server costs. It's bandwidth management and netcode. And but 
if you're able to support that, then you just have, instead of all of these external tools, like StarCraft 2 has a lot of information, but you still go upload your replay to SC2 replay stats. So yeah. if you integrate yeah. all of that and you still go to Liquipedia for builds or, or spawning pool or spawning tool or whatever, and, and there are these other external things, if you look at what all of those things are really providing to the players and to the watchers, because a lot of your community is people that just want to watch the tournaments. And while, of course, you're probably not going to make a lot of friends DCMing or DMCAing Twitch for, for showing your tournament, like if it's more accessible or there's some kind of features that you can have in game, some toasting or whatever, yeah, you, 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 encur you encourage your player base to buy the base game. Maybe the base game is cheaper, like an Overwatch sort of situation, mm -hmm. and make more of your money by sponsoring internal stuff like hey if you want to add to the prize pool add it through the in-game every purchase of this skin goes towards the 2022 winter nationals or whatever uh i think you wow I, they, honestly i've been listening for the last while and i've i agree with almost every single point both of you made um <laughs> and it's funny because you kind of like you kind of answered one of the questions that i left a little bit open-ended with my answer of like what would be uh, the best way to to make a StarCraft 3 or the next RTS type thing. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head with... Uh, you, you talked about how if StarCraft 2 had come out in 2013, I think it would have been a little bit better off. Uh, now, I will addend that a little bit and say, I think if they had addressed the issues a little bit more fluidly and a little bit more flexibly and taken the... Uh, or, or I, I guess not even taking the advice, followed suit of some of the smarter companies that uh, are, it's, it's not fair to say smarter companies, but companies that made smarter decisions. And Innovative, it, maybe. Exactly. Integrated that a little bit more fluidly. I think you could have had Blizzard still being the big East or, or uh, video game development company instead of having this massive brain drain that they're suffering from right now, where they've literally lost their entire RTS team like the whole rts team formed its own company because they were unhappy with getting stonewalled you have uh, a lot of unpleasant stories coming out of blizzard from blizzard employees being like uh yeah no i love video games and they're like but what do you think about blizzard and they're like man i really love video games and <laughs> it's not the answer i was looking for right yeah yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, we started, you know, we kicked off this podcast uh, a little over a year ago now, and our, our first four episodes were kind of our an homage to Blizzard. You know, we did an episode all about StarCraft and all about Warcraft and all about Diablo because we're, we grew up Blizzard fans. I mean, our whole lives, you know, starting as kids and all through adulthood, we've been Blizzard fans. And I think Blizzard still does a lot right. Um, and I, but I, I think that, that, we're getting to a point where it seems like we're getting to a crossroads where they, I don't know if they can pull it back still, or if they're just too integrated as the big Activision conglomerate now that they, you know, they just turn into Bioware or something. I don't know, but yeah, you definitely hit the nail on the head with, uh, with Activision that, that was the, a, a lot of people, well, actually not that many people, but a good number of people were like when Activision and Blizzard merged, they were like, this is really bad. Um, and it took a while. It took, you know, Mike Morhaime 
leaving or being forced out, more, most likely leaving on his own terms, but leaving in a situation where he was fighting against way too many people that were like, bottom line, dollars, money, how do we make it? Uh, right. As opposed to the blizzard mantra of old, the one that you, the three of us all grew up with and loved, where it was like, no, we don't ship that product until it is perfect. It has to be perfect. It. Do you know who we are? We're blizzard. We We come out with the best stuff. See 30 years of StarCraft ghost cancellations, right? right. Like, <laughs> yeah, and sad by, but at the other hand, like, I've always been, I mean, proud isn't the right word because that's way too strong of an emotional response, but like, I don't know. It's like, that's cool that they didn't release it when it sucked. You know what I mean? Like, I'm glad you didn't just steal my 50 bucks because I would have bought it because it's Blizzard, you know? So yeah. thank you yeah. for having some integrity. Um, I, I would use the term, I would definitely say proud. Like I was, I was proud to be a Blizzard fan for a very long yeah. time. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And to speak to your point uh, for, for pretty much the last, like, like three years, I mean, with Heroes of the Storm, uh, what they did there, that was, that was one of the worst, worst like moves in all of esports in terms of like, just like pulling the rug out from under the scene. Yeah. Uh, Overwatch League is the cracks are really beginning to show. Now, of course, COVID-19 has played a big factor with that. They were supposed right. to launch home games, but I honestly don't think it would have been what it was advertised to the franchise owners as. I, and I think that it's a little ridiculous to expect that, especially now that you're seeing like more and more with Overwatch League, the cracks are beginning to show. Um, yeah, it, it, a lot of decisions from Blizzard in the last two or three years have been unpopular ones with the hardcore fans like us right. uh and people who have been there from like from you know lost vikings and right. yeah um but now one thing that is kind of like a spark of hope is uh shadowlands they actually did the thing yeah. they actually were like you know what this game is not ready we're gonna we're gonna hold off yeah. they they made it a little bit more accessible. They listened to the community. People were like, man, I love the concept of having multiple characters that I can play, but I don't know if I have 80 hours, 120 hours to level a new character. So they're like, okay, we're going to actually compress this back. They made WoW Classic. That was something yeah, right. that, that was they were fighting move. against for so long. That was mm -hmm. crazy. I mean, um, it was like three years ago, they said at BlizzCon, they said to someone who asked about WoW Classic, like, you don't really want that. Trust us. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That was the worst. That was, like, no, you don't think you don't want this. Meanwhile, this guy's played, like, 17,000 hours on private servers. Like, he's like, I think I know what I want. Um, like, the same level of tone deafness as, like, the, uh, the oh, like, you guys all have phones. Like, Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, 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 exactly. Did that oh, even man. ever manifest? Is that only a thing you can I think it's like? Okay. I, I hope they took after <laughs> that. I hope that was what finally made them take a, a big, good, hard look in the mirror and made them be like, maybe we need to, you know, rethink this. Like we have taken this, this gleaming platinum level reputation and we have dragged it through the mud for three years maybe we need to change some things and is it too late i don't know um are we off track absolutely do i oh. care not even a little <laughs> yeah, there is no track my friend there is no track um no i think you're absolutely right I, I think hearthstone is i mean that's a success right but that's and overwatch that's obviously, an accident 
that was an accident. <laughs> it was kind of a joke. Yeah. Really? No, it was, you are, you were actually hundred percent right about that. It was a joke. It was like, ha, ah, I made a card game about Warcraft and they and were you like, play in the tavern of Warcraft. <laughs> yeah. and like, look at how silly and stupid it is. And then people were like, can I play that? Can I give can you, can I go to work? All day can I give you all of every, that money? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can I, can I give you $400 for six booster packs for that? And Blizzard was like, I mean, yes, yes, you can do that Wait, imagine, with our totally real game. Money? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, no, I think that's. Uh, I yeah, I think it's interesting to see where they go. Um, another question, I guess, or, or 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 thought that I've had. You know, we're talking about what the future of RTS looks like, and maybe more broadly, what does the future of of esports look like? Um, I guess, and of course, I have my own thoughts already. But but, what do you think? Some of the, what do you think? Some things that would need to change, and I know esports has grown, especially in the last decade, tremendously. But it still doesn't compare to, in America at least, to you know professional, yeah, no, traditional sports, right? What do you think would would need to shift before we see that those two things align more closely as far as just popularity from a viewer standpoint not from a player standpoint um well i think uh i think we're already seeing a lot of the things that had to happen in order for esports to be mainstream and stay mainstream i think we've already seen most of those boxes checked i think we've already seen most of that happen uh so for example uh you know big prize pools massive prize pools game or life-changing amounts of money uh, that's the first thing that parents look for. They're like, well, do you even make any money? And he's and like this Fortnite kid's like, yeah, I just made $3 million. And they're like, okay, so <laughs> you're in charge now, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, all right. That money cool. shows like not just parents, but the, the first thing that goes after that is colleges. Yes. Cause they go, oh, was, we exactly, can make money. <laughs> exactly. Scholarships are yeah. now a thing. Um, and they're becoming more and more pervasive. Uh, you're having for a little, it's unfortunate because I think ESPN esports just folded. Um, mm. but you, you've had a little bit of, um, sneaking into the mainstream media. Uh, obviously Twitch already existing in the platform that it does gives people the ability to just tune in and watch whatever they want. YouTube, uh, gives a, a big viability for reaching out to creators and, and, uh, communing with them and, and consuming content at a record level uh and there was w another thing that i wanted to talk about uh that was in the same vein of the question but it was a little oh yes future of esports so every uh company now that creates a game there there is a question that they face before they do anything do we want to you know create the next big esport is that our goal and more and more the answer is yes. More and more, you have these companies that are like, yeah, that's that's what we want to do. We we want to be the big dogs. We want to be, you, you know, maybe they're not saying this, but be the next Blizzard type of thing. We want to be the next guys to make Brood War, to make uh, Fortnite, to make CSGO. We want to be Valve. We want to be whoever. And so you're seeing that more and more. You're already seeing... Uh, kids who are like instead of on the playground like oh man like i hit like i hit a home run in my little league game yesterday it's more like oh man i got 15 kills in a fortnite uh solo like the 
it's already in so many ways pervaded American and just world society at, at so many levels that people don't even realize. And it's in many ways, it has already, I would even say, taken over some of traditional sports, like original stuff. You'll never beat the, the like ease of entry of something like soccer. You literally just need a ball. That, that is why soccer is the biggest sport in the world by a ridiculous margin is right. because the, the accessibility and, and uh, well, yeah, accessibility is so simple. And so, you know, with place, places where maybe it's not easy to afford a computer, um, we, we see esports maybe lagging behind a little bit. But then you have this other interesting shift where you have like mobile legends in Southeast Asia is insanely massive yeah. because it's funny the meme of like, don't you all have phones? Like at the end of the day, as tone deaf and as insulting as it was to us as fans, um, it is true. Like everyone does own a phone. It's a very accessible thing. If he had framed it in a little bit of a different way, like, you know what? We think that everyone in the world can access a smartphone. So we right. want to we want to bring the ability you and, and like bring they could the have framed to the world. Literally that. They could have been like, you, do you remember your first game? Do you remember the first time you did that? We want to bring that feeling to people that maybe will have a little bit more difficulty doing that. So I like I think I just saved Blizzard if we get a time machine. Like we can <laughs> yeah. just we can just go back and do that. Yeah, um, I mean while they're developing your your caster pack or whatever for StarCraft Two, they might also think about go. getting you know, some PR. You know, <laughs> <laughs> sounds good uh, to me. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. It, it is. It, it's crazy how much framing on something like that can matter. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I think that that with esports, I think another advantage that traditional sports get. Um, I mean, soccer, a great example, is that it's just been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. and yeah. and you know and, and rules in those games change right like now i'm not really much of a soccer guy but i'm i am a, like a basketball fan like nba basketball well nba basketball in the 90s or even in the 2000s right is very different than it is in the last six seven years and and, and so the meta yep. has shifted yeah and literally the rules have changed right? like just <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah I mean, there are things <laughs> you used to be able to do that you can't now and think yeah. and, and vice versa so, so it doesn't mean that the game has to be chess, right? Where it literally never changes over how, however long. But if you look at a basketball court, you know what it is, right? And and if you look at a soccer field, you know what it is. And you understand that maybe I don't know what the positions are. Maybe I don't know what offsides is or how that works. But I know that we're hockey, right? Like I know they're trying to get the thing in the net. And that's fundamentally all I really need to get to, to, to get the gist of it. Um and so I think StarCraft actually does have a significant leg up because Brood War's been out for so long and still is played. And then StarCraft Two is, at this point, as we've said over and over, a decade old. I think games sticking around for a long time helps a lot, too. Like, as, as awesome and popular as Fortnite is, if, pop, if Fortnite's not still being played in five more years, on, a, on at least on a massive scale, was it really that big of a win for esports because anyone who cared about it, it doesn't matter anymore. Does that make sense at all where I'm going with that? No, that makes a ton of sense. Um, and yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. Uh, and even, even taking it one step further, uh, just the, it's, it's not just about ease of access for uh, players, but also for viewers. Like you said, um, something like fighting games 
is so good about like literally you have bar. What's your bar yeah. at? Your bar is going down. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're losing. Oh, your bar's lower. Oh, but now, but now you got the other guy in the ropes. Oh, oh, and now his bar's going down. Oh my God, you just came back from your bar being lower than his bar. What right. an insane cut. Like it's so And easy. all of it is on one screen, all of the motion, all of the important yeah. action, like even just a mini map. Yeah. Like my wife doesn't play, but because it was a dinner staple for a long time of like, hey, do you care for watching pro matches? She's picked up on a lot of, you know, the concepts and a lot of what's going on, but it's still a lot to follow. I mean, even even as a caster, I'm sure you experience where you're looking at you can see there's a battle happening on the mini map, but maybe there's micro happening on the main screen and you have to choose. Yep. You, you can't picture in picture all of that. You'd almost need like an AI assistant that helps bring some of that up to give you a picture in picture or something. And even that is just, there's so much information. Yeah. Um, and well, to speak to that point about the AI assistance, that's literally what, uh, League of Legends does. They they cheat on their observe observation. They they use a three minute delay, and the the uh, AI like finds fights that are have happened, and they're like, okay, this is where we we watch. Like they have an automated observer based on that. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's um, and that's that's not really something you can do with a lot of other games because they're uh the lead ups to fights and like parsing what is relevant information is a little bit more difficult uh when there's more factors with league of legends you basically have the three lanes in the jungle and you know right. it, it's a little bit easier to do that uh but it's i don't even know where i'm going with it that's just a random well, aside. no, i think it i think it does lend to the watchability of yes yeah any of your any of your ball games basketball baseball you know football soccer it's all if your attention is on the ball, you're probably seeing the most important action. You're not seeing all of it if you hyper-focus there. But, like, if the guy missed catching the ball, that's a big deal. If he caught the ball and gets tackled, or if he kicked the ball, or if he faked somebody out, it you know that if, even if you know nothing, that's where the excitement is happening. And you can understand very easily, guy missed ball, that's bad. Yeah, You know, guy caught ball and ran, that's probably good. Like, you know... And so it's it's very easy, but but on a on an RTS, I mean it it it, it takes some time to even understand like because why are they using these units? Oh well, these are effective to against these, and he's trying to force his opponent here. Those details are already up front, whereas like you can learn what the different plays are in a in a game, or why are they you know why are they trying to pitch this guy you know harder hits he versus this guy easier hits like. There's there's statistics that you can learn and understand to get the depth in that, but mm. you don't have to learn that to get the basics. And yeah. I think that's that speaks. You you spoke much earlier about the the lower bar to entry, but the higher skill cap, and and that is a thing that it it's such a balancing act of how simple does it have to be so that everybody can get what's going on while also having enough complexity to satisfy RTS fans that want three different tanks that transform into giant robots like yeah yeah and um i i think the important thing that you you talk about is uh it, it's it's that that very broad spectrum that's almost uh limitless so for something like you, you were talking about uh pitching to different players baseball is such a great thing you, you you look at it you watch it and you're like okay he hit ball ball go over fence 
one. He get one. Right. Their person <laughs> on base, he get two. Th- two. Yeah, like it's very simple to watch. Right. But then you have all this dynamic stuff. You have like you're talking about. Uh, do I do we pitch to this guy? Uh, he hits middle in on the plate. Like he hits. He has this. One, like there's so much analysis to go into it. And I, I actually really love baseball because it's a little bit of a chess chess match. Uh, but like trying to describe this to uh, to other people, it can be a little bit like. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah sure, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> ball go over fence, two, mm-hmm. you get two, and I'm like, yes, ball go over fence, he get two, yes, right. We win two zero, good stuff. We yes, um, obviously you know that's yeah, a uh, little bit derivative, but like it's, it's good that there's that sports have that, and, and that it's very simple to tell, uh, but like most video games these days don't have that very very simple uh viewership experience in terms of like even something like league of legends like you still have to understand like oh man they lost three heroes or uh three uh, champions champions i guess um they lost three champions but they were the three champions that were the least important and they killed the two main most important uh champions on the other side and you'd be like okay well how is that good for them they lost three and only killed two and it's like, yeah, two, three is bigger than two, idiot. And you're like, well, yes, but the three's value is less than that of the two's value. And it's like, so, oh, so okay. maybe the it almost sounds like the the barrier to entry may not have to be on the player's side because, like in baseball, the barrier to entry is still high. Oh, like yeah. hit the ball is a lot harder than than you think it is until you're holding a bat standing on a plate, and then you're yeah. like, oh, this isn't easy. Um, but I think that I think that you really are speaking to it there, which is that. It needs to be a viewer needs to think it's easy. Yeah, it can still be hard, but there's I don't think there's a viewer who looked at a Starcraft match for the first time and went, oh, this is obviously easy, especially like a pro match. You're not going to think this is what's going on here is easy. Uh, uh, yeah. So I think that some of that, I think it does come down to the, the viewership and making viewing has to be simple. Yeah, I, I don't know if they have to think that it's easy, but I think I think the fighting game example you brought up is excellent mm-hmm. because it's because like you said, you know, the truth is, is that to play high level Street Fighter or Tekken or whatever it is, it's incredible. I mean, it's incredibly nuanced with the controls and, and what you have to pull off and the timings of it all. But as to your point, because you see bar go up, bar go down as the viewer, I don't have to understand that nuance to understand what the outcome of that nuance is. Whereas to your point with the League of Legends example, you do have to know the nuance in order to understand what yeah. that outcome is, example you gave, right? So yeah. I think that's very fair. Honestly, I thought Overwatch League, I thought having teams based in cities, just yeah. like pro sports do, was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, to what we're talking about, so hard to watch. I mean, they didn't even have... <laughs> yeah, they don't. They, they even still have, don't. They still don't. They didn't have to <laughs> team colors when it started like you would just see teams that looked largely the same and since heroes are not unique to the team like i don't even know what and i play overwatch and i find it confusing it's not like i'm good at overwatch just because i play but the point being it's not completely foreign to me and i even had trouble following it sometimes um so yeah i don't know i think i think i i think it it copying like we were talking about with the you know it being on espn and getting into the mainstream media mimicking pro sports teams by being based in cities giant prize pools i think all that matters um and then i think you know on the other side of the coin it also matters that that 
viewers understand what they're looking at pretty quickly or else they go, yeah, I don't care. And then <laughs> change the channel. You know what I mean? Yeah. hundred percent. Um, I think, uh, even to speak to that a little bit more, uh, the part of, so I guess this is going back a little bit, but part of, uh, Starcraft's appeal is that it, it, it is kind of like the, the old grandpa of esports at this point. And it's like, oh man, yeah, Starcraft 2. Like, yeah, I used to play that like, yeah, like eight years ago. It was, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. It was, it was a fun game. Yeah, it was, it's really hard. Oh man, it's <laughs> really hard. You must right. be really good. And so there's like, there's this kind of prestige that it's like, you know, yeah, like great on you. You, you do the hard thing. Like you, you make, you, you drag those 200 pound weights behind you. Mm. Uh, but why do you do that? Right. <laughs> and you're like, well, I do it because it, it, it's like a challenge. It's a huge challenge. And they're like, oh, okay. And you're like, right. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's a little bit like, you know, I used to go uphill in the snow both ways. Uh, <laughs> speaking to the grandpa of esports, yeah, <laughs> right, right, yeah. Except that that story is debunked over and over because there's no way you can go back uphill both ways, right? Mm -hmm. But go play StarCraft if you, <laughs> if you, if you, and tell me that it's not snowing both ways. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that is 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 tough. And yeah, I agree. There there is kind of a, a prestige to it like that. I mean, it's funny. I have friends that you know. PVP and other games, shooters and things like that. But the truth is, and again, I'm not good at any of them from a competitive standpoint, but you know, you play Starcraft for a while and then go back to play something like Call of Duty. And I mean, it kind of feels like you're playing clicker heroes. You know what I mean? Like there's just, there's just not that much to consider. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so less engaged than Starcraft is. And Starcraft, the thing is, is that it's a game. It's a, and I, I think it was actually, I heard Tasteless and Artosis talking about this on a GSL cast, but it's it's a rare example of a game that never never takes a break once it starts. Oh, like yeah. in League of Legends, you die. Yeah, you respawn within a minute, but you still get a minute. Yeah, you get to breathe. Where you go? Okay, all right. Yeah. Recollect myself. Get back in it. Starcraft, you don't have that until if GT you're taking is... a breath in Starcraft, it, you're in danger. Yeah, you're no, actually, it's false sense yeah. of security. <laughs> you've you've basically lost if you're not doing anything for even ten seconds. Mm -hmm. um, right. Like that that like that's the game in many cases over. Uh, and even for something like like Dota two or League of Legends, uh, even when you're alive, if you're like okay, like my tower is under siege, I'm just gonna hide behind it for a little bit. That's mm -hmm. five ten seconds of breathing room. Where you yep. can just collect yourself and be like, okay, guy, like ping the mini map, like, okay, there's three three enemies down here, like guys come down and gank, or do you want me to teleport out? Like you you can kind of take a minute, but in like you said in StarCraft 2, that doesn't exist. Uh right. and it's it's cool, it's great, it's highly competitive, and it's really, really fun for mo for many people that enjoy it but it's also really really rigorous and exhausting and a little bit prohibitive uh now yeah. that's why i love it and i love talking about that and i love expressing what makes that cool but for a lot of people that that is a big turnoff yeah i mean I, it's funny though because it is except that it almost seems false and not that the, the people that say that are, are liars or, or something i don't mean to, to paint people with that brush i just mean like you know if you're gonna play any game i mean 
are you telling me that you can play Counter-Strike and be good playing one hour a week or something? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there are a lot of games that if you're going to play at not even the top level, but if you just want to, like your illustrious self, get into, you know, <laughs> be, be on the diamond level even, yeah. you know? Yeah. You've got to put some time in. I mean, I love Rocket League. I think Rocket League is, mm, honestly, yeah. I think Rocket League is maybe one of the best television esports experiences that exist yeah. right now. Which it totally cheats because it's just like watching soccer. So it's what we're talking about earlier. You know, <laughs> the ball. ball. Yeah. Watch right. ball. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, but Rocket League, I mean, there's nothing pay to win in Rocket League. But no. you got to pay some time because yeah. there, I don't know if there is a skill ceiling yet that's been found in Rocket League. Like, it, I mean, it's just it's similar to StarCraft in that way where it's like people continue. Like, where did Sarah come from? How did he get that much better than what we had already seen? Like, yeah. How is this happening? And then T.Y. doing it? Like, <laughs> yeah, seriously, seriously. No, no, no. I, that is such a great point. Um, Cyril, uh, so like you said, he was he came out of nowhere, it felt like. Um, I mean, the EU scene is always like, oh, yeah, no, he's been good for three years. And it just it, we were just waiting. Um, and it's like, oh, OK, well, I mean, you, you have said that. So credit to you. Uh, right. But then give it like a year and a half. And all of a sudden, Rainer's caught up to him. Clem's mm -hmm. caught up to him. Uh, you had Cure had himself an insane run uh, in a tournament that they played recently and like went a combined, what was it, like 11 and 1 or 13 and 1 wow. versus Cyril and Rayner, which is ridiculous. That's yeah. out, like, and it redefined the meta even. And then, like you said, TY, who is a caster, who is, yes. he, he classifies himself as a caster over a pro player at this point, but he has revolutionized the way that Terran versus Zerg has been played in the last six months. He has come out with a slew of builds that have completely rocked TVZ at the highest level and like shifted it. Before it was like, oh, okay, do you make your battle cruiser or do you make two battle cruisers or do you make mm -hmm. three battle cruisers or do you make four <laughs> battle cruisers? And it's like, just kidding, you make that. You do that. Um, it's just, when do you do double port or single port? Uh, but now you have TY coming out with all of these like crazy things that the Hellbat timings make me the Hellbat timings with with mines make me so mad. Like just seeing it, seeing it, I have a visceral reaction. Like, what do you do? What what yep. what, is, what is the Zerg answer to this? Yeah, it, it's well, and that's the thing is there's so much uh, to figure out still, and and this is ten years into a game where people have really been dedicating a a big amount of brain power to try and figure out these answers, and they don't have them. They just they're they're continuing to find new questions, uh, and and that's kind of one of the cool things about Zerg existing the way that it does is that it's always looking to answer questions that the opposing races pose, mm -hmm. uh, and that's that's something that's pretty cool. That that's something that actually I've never even really thought of, but it like occurred to me literally just now while talking about yeah. it uh, is that Zerg is trying to find the answer to questions. Uh, so thank you for making me uh, make that realization. I'm going to start uh, utilizing that in my cast now. <laughs> this is not the first time that we've turned StarCraft into a philosophical discussion. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and that's the thing. You can do that. Um, whereas you mentioned a little bit before, not to bash on Call of Duty, uh, but like the level of strategic depth, it's, it's not that extreme. Like, you, do you point good? Do you shoot good? Yeah, it's cool. Um, do you know the map? Do, do you know, know the map? The do you, locations are exactly, uh, and you can keep mixing things up by changing up guns and changing up maps. But at the end of the day, the, that level of strategic depth isn't going to be quite as uh, extensive. Uh, and then you know, 
to the counterpoint of that, to use another shooter, you have CSGO where their stuff is constantly evolving and you're having, uh, it, it's, it's such a well-tuned game that you're able to still have that. So even in the same genre, theoretically, um, right. I mean, most people would argue that they're very, very different genres, but I would say that they're still at their core. They're still a shooting game. They're still right. eliminate other team. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> but the fact that you can have that, that dichotomy, that uh, duality is really cool. And it's really nice. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that entirely. I think it's interesting to see the variety of um, within the genre. And I'm, I'm hoping that the the new studio and now is it frost relic or frost, 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 giant. frost giant thank you um uh, yeah i mean my hope is that that starcraft 2 will continue to to succeed and, and be popular uh and that frost giant will just bring another game that maybe is a different space in the genre instead of the starcraft killer like there can be more than one you know what i mean like and we don't have to pick on call of duty brett really hates ea let's hate battlefield you know what i mean like <laughs> We can love multiple games. We can hate multiple games. Like, there doesn't have to be just one. It's not Highlander. It's I, StarCraft. It's yep. RTS. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and to speak to that point, there already even is that situation with. Uh, now, if it's such a damn shame that we'll just add it to the list of Blizzard sins uh, that Warcraft Three Reforged launched in such a broken oh, yeah. state um, because we could have literally seen, and they already have the proof. They have proof of concept with remastered being, you know, not insanely popular, but really breathing a little bit of life back into uh, the scene. You, you know, obviously in Korea, it's always been massive, but that removing that barrier to entry was a big deal. Uh, but with Warcraft 3 Reforged, they they literally just needed to make the game again. It, it's yeah. not, sorry, not even make the game again. Just just create a stable environment for the game. And they couldn't even do that. And so we have what should have been a, a nice splitting of the esports genre and, and even uh, realistically, like healthy uh, overlap between the two. Uh, where, you know, it's like, let's have an RTS tournament where we have Warcraft 3 and StarCraft 2. Hell yeah. Um, so much cross pollination potential. But because of what Blizzard did and like how much disrespect they showed and how unprepared it was. All you had in terms of the player base going to that game was people who are already in love with Warcraft 3. And now that's fantastic for them. But first of all, you've already, you've, you've just flipped them off by doing this. Um, and so only the ones that really, really, truly love it to their core are going to stick with it. And then you've completely removed the ability for new players to find this game. Right. Well, especially anyone that jumped in on the hype train when it launched and was like, you know what? I've heard a lot about this and I am going to do it, which is me <laughs> who never <laughs> yeah. played it. Picked it up and I was like, this is this is ridiculous. Like, yeah. <laughs> and maybe it will get better over time, but will I go back or will the Steam backlog win? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Question. Uh, so. I'd like to, if you don't mind, take a bit of time and and maybe transition a little bit away from Blizzard and just get it kind of into <laughs> some more. And not not to say, I mean, we're all Blizzard fans here, and and I I, I love all of that, and I'm a hundred percent cool if these are short answers and we go right back to it. Um, but you know, just to understand a little bit more of kind of your history and and you know some of the 
the deeper core things about you maybe is, you know, like, um, outside of, unless Starcraft was, but outside of Starcraft, um, you know, two questions that are kind of on my mind frequently is like, what was your first gaming experience and what do you play when the camera's off? Uh, so great questions. Um, uh, so my, my parents were very, and, and this kind of speaks to what we were talking about before with, uh, a, a shift in the mindset of like families and, you know, growing up with, uh, maybe parents that were gamers as opposed to parents that were, uh, you know, coal miners or I don't know, whatever, I <laughs> uh, like did, didn't have an exposure to video games. So they didn't know what that feeling was like when you're, you know, eight years old or 11 years old or 15 years old and you get your first Game Boy, your first Xbox, your first PC, whatever it is. Uh, but to speak to that, my parents were very anti video games. Um, they did not want me doing that. Now, I, I can't say that I blame them entirely. Um, they recognized from a young age that I have a very, uh, mm, focused personality hyper focused <laughs> in terms of yeah like you know adhd add whatever it is um to be honest i think it's been overdiagnosed a little bit but yeah. I, I i'm pretty clear that i have it for sure that that's that's not that's not a question for me it's whether other people have it that have been misdiagnosed uh, and you can tell from my answers they're like all over the place sometimes <laughs> they're just everywhere uh but to go back to the question that you actually asked uh, a little bit of uh you know proof in the pudding right if there. if we didn't go off on tangents ever i'm not <laughs> sure this show would be as <laughs> oh yeah no it's so much more interesting to just let your mind wander sometimes mm -hmm. right. um but yeah so my first video game experience was actually uh playing the original smash bro oh well te technically it was duck hunt at like a babysitter's place when okay. i was like three or four but i barely remember that um you know and, and it's duck hunt so, you know, it was still an intro, but it, it's not a distinctive memory. But right. then when I was in maybe like first or second grade, going to another babysitter's house. So babysitter's a bit of a theme here. Um, definitely a soft spot there for babysitters. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, it was playing Smash Bros with huh. uh, the her two sons. And just like, you know, like, like waiting turns and like passing the controller around and like just so much like loving that stuff and be getting so into it. And like, that was where the first time that like video game PVP was kind of revealed to me. And now I didn't have the constructive mind that saw a mindset or like critical thought to analyze and be like, yeah, this is, this is like, here's what I should have done differently, but it would still be like, I won, yes! Or, oh, I lost, I'm so mad. Like, you know, like that that experience, that feeling of triumph uh, or defeat, of victory or vanquish, you know? Like, it, it was started from such a young age, and that was that was pretty cool. So uh, we got to know, who, who, was your, who was your original Smash Bros main? Uh, Pikachu. Pikachu. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> big, big fan Good of, uh, yeah, right? Yeah. Which is funny enough because that's actually where I watched that same babysitter is where I watched uh, like cable TV for the first time. So that's oh, where nice. I got to watch yep. Pokemon. Mm -hmm. So ah. it, so that baby, oh man, that babysitter was mint. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah. Mom, Dad, you can go out anytime and leave me here any day you want. Literally, right? <laughs> like, I'm like, you know what? It's fine. Just, uh, you know, if, if you want to take a couple weeks off, 
Go yeah, for a you vacation. Guys can go to Disneyland. Yeah, I'll stay here. <laughs> Don't worry, it's fine. I'll hold down the fort. Oh yeah. Um, and then the first video game that I actually owned was a bit of a theme with the Pokemon stuff. Was an an emulator on the Windows three point one computer that we had. Yeah. Uh, of Pokemon Red. Yep. With uh and it's it's super super cool it was um it was a guy who was maybe 10 year eight years 10 years older than my i was he was like he must he, he's probably making made millions by now because if he had that level of tech talent at that point he was so far ahead of the curve that he yeah uh <laughs> that that's just a random thought but um yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so he installed it uh on on this computer uh got to play it from time to time i remember being so excited about like getting my war turtle and like you know like beating the first gym and just being so into it and absolutely freaking loving it and i still remember at the dinner table saying that and my parents like maybe i imagine this maybe i like you know implanted the memory in myself because of suggestion but them just looking at each other and being like uh oh what did we do? Yeah, no, we let set. it in. Yeah, literally, literally, the hooks are in there. Uh, and then uh, a bit of a, I get not sad end to it, but a, kind of a funny end to it. Uh, he had his own like account on it, and and I guess he like really knew the base code well. So he had like unlocked the missing no missing number glitch, and so at some point I like managed to. I, it must have been by accident or I like went into his thing and I like did it and I like missing numbered and just like corrupted the whole thing. It oh. just, just ruined the whole thing. Um, but by that point it was too late. I was already in love and I was right. not letting go. So what about nowadays? What's your, uh, what's your cameras off game and chill? Um, for a long time it was Starcraft. Uh, yeah. now it, in many ways, it still is. Uh, StarCraft Two is like I just love playing it. Uh, but sometimes, you know, you hold yourself to a higher standard sometimes, and that that's both a good thing and a bad thing because it means that uh, sometimes getting the motivation to stream when you don't feel like you're playing well can it can be a little tricky, uh, and it can lead to a little bit of dud streams. So that's something that I try to avoid. Uh, and like you said before, you have to invest a lot of time just to maintain uh a base skill set uh but it's still starcraft 2 off off from time to time but i do have a, another little soft spot for old school runescape um okay. nice. i just literally that's made a bit of a resurgence lately too like there's a lot more old school runescape stuff that's been boiling back up lately yeah and um they've actually made a really really smart move and followed uh in the footsteps of path of exile have you if you haven't heard of Path of Exile. Yeah, um, we we both talk about going back to Path of Exile a lot, and we both go back for about 10 minutes at a time, but we we both played a fair amount. Fair enough. So so you know the the level of depth that goes into planning a character out and like, yeah, how, how extensive that is and how diehard the, the fan base is for that game. Oh, like yeah. it's it's big. Like they're really it's ride or it. die. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um. And you, I mean, you talk about games where it's like, oh, you got to invest a little bit of time. And it's like, oh, I play StarCraft for eight hours a day. I'm a professional. And Path of Exile players are like, I play Path of Exile for 22 hours a day. I hurt in my heart. Get me a new heart. And they're like, yeah, but I'm leading the servers now. Blood is 98% monster. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 
so like it's kind of cool to see that uh old school runescape is uh they just implemented leagues in their oh, stuff nice. yeah so they they've taken a, p- a page out of pad of exiles book and are like oh yeah like let's do this now i'm like i'm just a pleb i'm just like yeah i'm just gonna go uh hunt moss giants for a while and you know do some quests um because it's it's more of an unwind thing than a wind up right but craft one craft one <laughs> yeah yes exactly uh but yeah so that's that's what i've been uh i've been doing for the last like maybe month or two and it's, nice. it's been nice that's awesome yeah i i don't know how accurate it is i'm a pretty avid mmo fan mm-hmm. and um there's some website that's like MMO populations, which again, I have no idea how they collect that data. So I have no idea how valid it is because it's not from the companies directly, of course. But anyway, it lists, you know, WoW, of course, is number one. Uh, but I think Old School RuneScape was number three on their list for populations. Wow. Which again, I don't know what that's based off of entirely, but uh, assuming there's any legitimacy to it. Um, but to Brett's point, I mean... It, it is something that's all over the place. I mean, I hear people talking about it all the time. I was at a buddy's house six months ago and I've obviously heard of it forever, but I'd never played it and he was playing it. And I was like, yeah, all right. So I went home and downloaded it and <laughs> gave it a spin for a little while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, it's definitely an addictive thing to get into. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so something that we had talked about before we started recording and that I, 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 I did want to ask, and I'm just curious and it might not be interesting or unique at all. So if, if it's not, that's completely okay. <laughs> but I'm curious how, you know, like I have never, like, so Brett has Quantum Anomaly. That's been his screen name forever, right? Now, now Brett's streamed a little bit here and there, but but doesn't really have like an online brand in the same way that, that you might, for, for example. Uh, I have never landed on a consistent name. It's changed throughout the years. To, I don't know. I, I've never... But so, how do you how do you come up with the name that you're going to use for 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 yourself as a streamer? Uh, so this is uh, another neat question, and it does have a pretty, I guess, interesting answer. Um, cool. So when I was when I was a kid, uh, my first old school RuneScape account back when it was RuneScape, just RuneScape, uh, was. And, and I didn't even know the pronunciation because, uh, you know, just a, a little young nubbin. I had no one to talk to about it. Um, it's from uh, the Lord of the Rings was Dunedain. I, I thought it was uh, Dunedain or Dunedain. When or, you've only ever read it. I, yeah, I've done it's, that like, so it's like Hermione, things. right? Like mm-hmm. Hermie one. I, I didn't know that. Uh, so this is a way tangent that may not land, but uh, in 40k, there's a chaos called called Zinch, and I not even mispronounced it in my head, but also just didn't read it properly because oh. it's spelled weird. And I always just called him Tchesnik. And there's like not an N and a K. There's, there's not letters in there at all. Yeah. No idea. I'm not even yeah. that big of a gay guy, but I had no idea. Zinch. I, I would have said it how you said it, just uh-huh. so we're clear. You're not. <laughs> so I get it. I get it. I'm, I'm also guilty. Uh, Dune, by the way, just the, the book Dune is another, <laughs> yes. like, so many words that, okay, I did not know there was a glossary for that. I was right? like, man, there's like, why did, like, my girlfriend. How many got, words can one author invent? Right. <laughs> and my girlfriend got me into it. And, and, like, it took me, like, three or four times to actually get into it. And I was like, this is, um. This is different. 
I, I like I like the things I understand, but that's only about seventy <laughs> percent of it so far, and that's a lot of gaps to fill in. And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, no, no, no worries." And I'm yeah, like, "You'll get there. You'll get there. Fear is the mind killer. Just start there." And- <laughs> hey, there you go. There you go. Exactly. Uh, uh, but, but yeah, no, I I, I barrier to entry there. Going back to that. Uh, <laughs> right <laughs> you gotta make your book easier to read dude yeah right and, and to, to his credit there was a glossary just dumb right. old me didn't even know yeah yeah <laughs> it, it would have been nice if there was a forward that's just like by the way there's a glossary <laughs> right yeah uh, that would have saved so much time. The tutorial for the book yeah <laughs> oh man that's funny just a little the bit a little of- paper yeah yeah <laughs> we noticed you're, you're struggling with this word <laughs> You have a turn page in three minutes. Glossary. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kindle. Um, but anyway, I totally, we totally yeah, derailed your explanation of how you came to Steadfast, to be clear. So <laughs> that's okay. I forgot the question that you asked until you just refreshed me. So I appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I started with Dunedain 1 because, uh, of course, Dunedain was taken. And, you know, uh, that right. stuck for a little while, but that was before I like did the StarCraft 2 thing. Uh, and funnily enough, when I, right before StarCraft II launched, uh, back in the the beta, there I had just watched Inglorious Bastards, and so I was like, "Oh man, like you could call yourself the Bear Jew," and that's like that's a, a cool thing because he's like a terrifying character, you know, like he's right. got this like big bat that he beats Nazis to death with. And I'm like, man, that's dank. But my friend had already, uh, he'd already been like, oh, I want to use this one. I was like, oh, okay, fine. And then I was like, I actually misheard it. And I thought he was called the little one. But the little man who they refer to was called, the. I, I thought I heard it as the little one. And so I was like, oh, I'll call myself the little one. And it's like, well, <laughs> I've got some bad news for you. Right. One of the first popular StarCraft II videos was TLO, the little one, nuking Liquid Nazgul like 50 mm-hmm. times on <laughs> Metalopolis. And so immediately within like, and this is back when you could actually have multiple uh, people named the same name. Um, I, I think. Hmm. I think. Uh, or just using Russian characters that are the yeah, same as English yeah. or um, whatever. But I remember people being like, oh man, are you this person? And then like that happened like three times. And then I was like, okay, so I guess I'm changing my name. That was oh, like right. that was not even like a month. Um, by the way, I was I was playing you know Wings of Liberty beta on like a, a not even gaming laptop that had <laughs> so my FPS was like twelve at right. best. It was bad. Um, Good. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so fantastic. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So uh, so then I was like, okay, um, what's what's a cool name? And I was like, Clutch. Clutch is a cool name. I I like it. It's got a good sound it's got it's got good uh like it's poppy it's snappy it's direct it sounds good and i'm like i'm gonna capitalize the h because i i like the way that it looks and i'm gonna go with clutch and you you clutch it out that's cool that's a gaming term and i'm like yeah hell yeah brother i'm gonna do this um you know i i played a lot didn't really do anything that would gain notoriety per se but i i played a lot of the game and then roll, uh, so that's like maybe late 2010 up till like maybe 20 th- end of 2012, 2013. And the reasoning for that 
is that similar to the little one, uh, Clutch is now the name of a host, uh, the, the screen name of, of a host, uh, oh, Joshua man. Gray. Uh, so he, <laughs> he obviously, you know, in a very short period of time, went from being a host to being like quite well known. Uh, so it was like, well, okay, there's, there's my name gone again. I guess I, uh, I, I guess it's not, not clutch after all. Cool. We're, <laughs> we're going to rebrand. And wasn't clutch enough anyway. Exactly. <laughs> catch that first title. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. And, and I thought about it a little bit and I was like, you know what? There's not like a ton of brand notoriety behind this. Like I literally the only brand notoriety is from this person. So I was like, cool. And I was like, what is a cool thing? And I was like, you know what's a cool thing? Battleships are a cool thing. Like yep. Star Wars, love Star Wars. Huge Star yep. Wars fan. You know what's a dank ship in Star Wars? The Dreadnought. I love mm -hmm. the Dreadnought. It's a big, heavy ship. It's like, you know, you, you shoot this thing with a million lasers. It's like, nah, nah, nah no worries. I'm chilling. <laughs> Same thing with, uh, with Warhammer 40K. Like it's like right. a Dreadnought. It, that that's something that unstoppable exact indomitable yeah what's the name of a dank dreadnought and i was like the steadfast you would call a dank dreadnought the steadfast that shit <laughs> does that shit survives the entire duration of every war it's in and then tragically is decommissioned at the end and then has to be brought back and they're like but we have the mark seven dreadnought and they're like no bring <laughs> back the mark one Right, the steadfast has the the power. Yeah, exactly. So like that that was what was in my mind when I came up with the name steadfast, and uh, and I was like, hell yeah, brother, that's that's uh like every time I'm I uh, I think of it, I'm like, yeah. That is actually that was a far more interesting story than I thought it was going to be, and I now recognize where I've gone wrong in coming up with names, and that's that I've never just thought of it in a cool way so <laughs> it's yeah no it, it like hype yourself up about it like right, right yeah. yeah no that makes a lot well, of i sense. mean quantum anomaly goes way back like i i settled on that name in like i want to say 2006 to 2008 oh, wow. so before justin tv yeah there was blog tv for when you had like a 240p web <laughs> webcam i'm doing air quotes but um <laughs> and and i was on i was on blog tv and and i wanted to it was like a twofold thing it was i wanted the shortened version to be like qa because it was a question and answer show because i was like an answer guy very clever and just you ask because there it had a chat so if you asked a question i would answer it no matter what it was irc to of the course. best of my yeah right right yeah. And then, but I was also like, I want it to be like physics-y, but also like, I want it to be like, ooh, curious, like mysterious kind of, you know, what's going on? And and so I just like picked those words and kind of mashed them together, not knowing that that's actually its own mathematical term in quantum physics, but I just <laughs> kind of mashed them against like, yeah, and, and, I, and we did brand it. Like I, I had a little bit of art and, you know, like a banner logo and stuff and and I, I rebranded it again when I briefly streamed on Twitch. Um, but yeah, it's just always kind of stuck with me. And and I don't know. It's not as cool of an origin story, but it it, it it was one of those things that's like, it's hard to give up. Like anytime I see, anytime yes. a new like social media thing comes out or something like Twitch, uh, like, I couldn't get Quantum Anomaly. <sighs> and, and same with Gmail, actually. Uh, had to add 
you know, dots and dashes and things to it to, to make it work. I'm like, no, I'm the first one. I had this in 08. Go, you get off. Get. <laughs> this is mine. You can't take this from me. Right. Get off my lawn, you youngster, <laughs> with your TikToks. No. And your, uh-huh. <laughs> it's a cool name, though. I like it a lot. Thank you, uh, thank I, you. I like it. That's a very... And I did. It didn't even occur to me QA, but that's that's very like yeah. smart. Like that's that's neat. Yeah. Uh, I, I ended up being a quality analyst at a. Oh at a job my too. god! So that's perfect. totally by accident. But I just I laughed hysterically when that happened. I was like, <laughs> like, hey, can you QA some code? And I'm like, actually, I can. And 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 he 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 he. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, maybe a less. Um philosophical type question but um you know and you don't have to say a favorite and you know recency bias is okay there's no mm-hmm. there's no criteria here but i mean what's a player a starcraft 2 player that stands out and again it doesn't it can be from wings of liberty it can be brood war whatever but what's a starcraft 2 player that stands out is again it has to be your all-time favorite but one of your top players that if they were playing you want to check it out Ooh, that is a tough one uh because the answer would shift with each phase. Um, Like when I was, you know, much, much younger and the game was much younger. Players that were inventive, players that were, I could learn from. Like I I was like, oh man, Idra. Like, hell yeah. Like here's the the best macro player of the time. Um, Not realizing that I was also absorbing part of the toxic personality for a while, um, which was really bad and it took a long time to shake that for me, but I, oh yeah, absolutely. No, I was, I was, um, yeah, I was like never like not GGing a lot and, you know, like getting salty and like not, um, focusing inwardly on my mistakes and instead blaming balance, which is like, ultimately it's fine to do that as a meme. But if you do that, like unironically, it, it creates like a pretty, uh, it creates a bad mindset just for all mm-hmm. aspects of your life. It's really easy for that to seep in and, and just become a, a, a pit hole, a pit hole, a pit of yeah. negativity. Um, yeah. Pit hole is a bit redundant, I guess. <laughs> if you fall into a pit hole, you're in some trouble. Right. Uh, but yeah, no. Um, so Idra at the start, but uh, in terms of who I would want to watch the most, if you were to ask me that question right now, sure, that's such a tough question because there's so many interesting players right now. Uh I think if it was to ask me who I would want to cast the most, oh man, I just I'd have to say the whole EU scene. The whole EU scene has such a solid brain trust. The way that they theorize and str- strategize together uh, is so impressive. Specifically, the Zergs are very very good about that, um, and I'll notice it a lot when I'm casting stuff. So like, I'll see some, I'll see a Zerg do something one of the top like four or five, six Zergs in Europe, I'll see one of them do something. And I'm like, oh, this is new. This is like a very subtle but new difference. And then literally every game from that point on, every single one of that that top echelon is now doing the same thing because they've discussed it. They've gone through a ton of theory crafting and figured out that this is now the optimal thing to do and shared that with one another. And um, right. it's a little bit unfortunate because the other players don't necessarily... Uh, or the other races don't necessarily have that unity, um, but they still they still all custom together and they still like practice together. And especially, I would say Team Liquid is good about um, a, a lot of teams in StarCraft too are unfortunate in the sense that they don't 
enhance the players as much as they could. But I would say Team Liquid does an excellent job of bringing out the strengths in players. So, mm. for example, Clem, he would he would probably be one of my top picks of like who I would want to watch at any given time. Mm. Um, at this point, because he's just so freaking good. Um, he's so young. He's got like insane mechan like legitimate insane mechanics, and he can. He I honestly think he hasn't even hit his peak yet. Uh, yeah, I agree to that. But yeah, no, he is like so. Uh, before he joined Team Liquid, he was very, very good for sure. But he still hadn't broken through yet, and I think it would probably have been nervousness and lack of experience. And Team Liquid assured that up. Uh, Mana, a very streaky player, a very a lot of high peaks and low valleys. But since Team Liquid picked him up. And they've kind of been focusing a little bit more on, I think, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's like sports psychology, but he has hit, a, I would say his highest peak ever. Um, and there has been a little bit of a bit of a value since then. I was probably about five or six months ago that he hit that. There has been a little bit of a valley, but it hasn't been a big one. It's been like, you know, a, a valley relative to that massive peak, but it's not really a valley relative to anyone else's skill. It, it's only relative to what he he hit like, yeah, four, five, six months ago, where he was where he was beating Clem, and he was the only right. player in Europe beating Clem. Mm -hmm. uh, so so it's really cool to see that. And then you see like Harstam, um, mechanically he's very very good. He's a very good player, but uh, I would say his greatest strength is his personality and his ability to make you know banger content on a consistent basis. And he's really kind of angled a little bit more into that. He's still a pro player by anyone's account. You would say he's a pro player, but he has also started making a lot more content. And I think that's, I, I have to assume that many of these decisions are being guided by uh, a very smart, thoughtful uh, management team from Team Liquid. Like I have to assume they're like, they're really doing a good job of identifying the strengths. And uh, so I guess long-winded answer Team Liquid would be my favorite uh, favorite thing to watch in like a, a more broad sense because just seeing the development there is really really interesting. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting answer. And I mean, so Brett, you know, he watches a lot more StarCraft than I do at this point. Um, I think he still watches Winter Stream or YouTube videos pretty regularly. Yeah, he and Winter casts a lot of the EU players. Yeah. Um, and so Brett will tell me about them and I, and I, I'm a casual fan, so it's ridiculous for me to have this position to begin with, but I'm like, nah, it's not GSL. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> based on what you're saying, it sounds like, like, you know, Brett's been onto something the whole time here, which, you know, again, makes sense. Cause he's actually in the, into it more than I am, but, um, but I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think Korea is seeing a decline? Do you think Europe is just catching up to them? Or is it not fun to compare them like that because they don't have to be adversaries? Or <laughs> oh no, I think I think it's the most fun to compare them like that. <laughs> I think that's um, <laughs> uh, because it's been such a uh, such a long domination of the mm -hmm. Korean scene. Like Korea has dominated, and obviously, um, Brood War was Korea's game. Right? Yeah. You had uh, Gur, who was the first player to win the OSL in like 2001 when they were wearing spacesuits, which by the way, was freaking awesome. That was so cool. Uh, I wish we'd get back to that. They're just, these guys are just sweating their balls off. They're just having the worst time of their lives. And they're like, all right, now 
play with 450 APM, and they're like, I'm stuck to my desk. You must play StarCraft from the hot tub of pain. <laughs> Ex- yeah, see see who passes out first from like overexertion of brain function. Um, but yeah, no. So literally that game belonged to Korea. And, you know, there was Legionnaire. Uh, there was Elki. There was Idra. Players challenged a little bit, but none of them ever even made it deep into a big big tournament where there was a lot of Koreans. It was always mm-hmm. like, oh man, did you hear Idra made it, got his pro gaming license? Did you hear that Noni got his pro gaming license? Like, it was like, cool, like, this is great. They were accepted. Yeah, ex- <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh man, you got into university and it's like, cool, well, <laughs> the guys who just got the top 60 in the class, um, yeah, you you didn't even, you didn't even have a paper, Here's you didn't even have the same classes as them, like, yeah. <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. Here's a head pat. Yeah, exactly. Like, who really cares? Um, so when StarCraft II came out, and foreigners were for a little while holding their own, uh, TSL three was the first tournament where uh, foreigners and or yeah, foreigners and Koreans really went toe to toe on a large stage uh, and on a large scale. And the Europeans actually dominated them in that tournament. Uh, well, there was a there was like a long time where Korea was kind of anti SC two as well. Yes, where they um, were like, yeah, yeah. Brood War is still yeah. our game until Blizzard formally killed Brood War and yeah. like literally was like, <laughs> no, go no. play with the others. <laughs> yeah, literally, exactly that. It is really kind of sad actually that they they forced that. Um, it, it made like a lot more bitterness than there yeah. needed to be. Um, if people don't want to play the game, let them. Don't don't force them into it. Um, but that's what they did. Uh, and so that was, that was, we'll add that to the list of blizzard sins. Um, uh, one of the earlier ones, which, which was still well-intended, but it was, it was a big mistake for sure. Uh, and it pissed a lot of people off in Korea, of course. Um, but that was like the first tournament where it was like, oh man, like you have, uh, all these European players. Like, I don't even know who any of them are, but they're like, they're beating all these Koreans with like smarter builds. Uh, and so it kind of goes back to what I was saying a little bit, the brain trust, and I guess the theory of how the two uh, regions approach video games in general, Korea is like perfect mechanics. We do everything perfectly and we execute perfectly. And, you know, we have our cheeses. We have our like, basically it's the, the way they approach a best of five or a best of seven is almost universally the same. Um, they're going to cheese in a best of seven. They'll cheese twice. Um, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll do builds that are common in the meta. Most of them are pretty much saying playing a similar overall uh, dogma to the game. Uh, whereas in Europe, they're a little bit more fluid in terms of uh, redefining how they approach the game. Uh, and so for a very long time, uh, the game was such that strategy wasn't as important because mechanics were so, so crucial. And the the variance in strategy wasn't large enough that it could make up for the mechanical disparity uh, between the Koreans and the others because the Korean scene just had a stronger foundation because of Brood War. Uh, They had the team houses, they had everything. Uh, Then eventually that got shut down and it kind of got to, now they're fighting from the same position, but foreigners were now, uh, for anyone who's watching or listening, uh, foreigners, of course, refers to the term non-Koreans in StarCraft 2. It's not a a, uh, disparaging term. It's a... it's just like it's just what they what they refer to as non-Koreans. Um, but yeah, so they were already used to 
not having this ideal practice setup. And Koreans all of a sudden had to find ways to practice themselves without this regimented team house, without, uh, you know, the ability to discuss stuff at the breakfast table with 10 other players who were at the same level as you. So you saw this, this kind of slow but steady rise of the foreign scene where they were like, oh, okay, like, well, in 2013, it was like the dark ages, like literally North America belonged to Korea. It was very sad. Um, even the players like Scarlet and uh, Neeb hadn't begun his rise yet, I don't think. Maybe it was like 2014 or 2015 when he started his rise. 2016? Might have been a little later. Yeah, um, but it was it was a while before those players that had like started very young got to um, you know show up and, and make waves. Uh, but eventually that did start to happen as like 2015, 2016, 2017 rolled around. Uh, and now you have this situation where I think, I think the, like the non-Korean scene is actually substantially stronger than the Korean scene, not necessarily at the highest level, but in terms of depth of field specifically in EU, I think it is much, much better. Uh, so like in Korea, there's pretty much just the GSL. Um, the Global Starcraft League, which is, of course, you know, ironic because it's based in Korea, um, <laughs> kind of like the world championships for the NFL is like, well, are you really the world champion? It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, but it's, right. it, it's fine. Um, the idea being that the best of the world have to that like that's yeah. the premier. Yeah. So right. yeah. one in the world trying to get in there. Yeah. But yeah. You have Korea. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing. You can't even show up for a weekend. You have to live there for like. Uh, two months or so, or a month and a half. Uh, but yeah, you had this. Um, you had this situation now where the EU players are more used to like, yeah, like we, we'll just do this. We'll just continue doing what we're doing, but we're going to communicate with one another and help each other thrive. Uh, and so that brain trust that had been developed over the past, however long that they'd been practicing together. Uh, playing with one another, playing on the ladder, and being like, hey, this is a person who has some good ideas. Uh, it has really started to materialize, and specifically, um, I guess depending on when this, uh, when this airs, but <clears throat> specifically, the last tournament, the, the most recent tournament right now, uh, there has been a situation that is unheard of in StarCraft II where uh, between... It, it's... it's what is it seven koreans and mm. nine foreigners of the first uh three groups the first three groups uh that were played of this and there's usually the way that it works out is there's two koreans two foreigners in each group of the first three groups that were played there was five koreans and seven non-koreans uh not a single korean player has made it out mm -hmm. wow and these are not the, these are not like your random round of 32 GSL players. These are literally the guys who are winning GSLs. These are the guys who are almost guaranteed to be a top eight, a top like four. Yeah. Maru, they come to a foreign tournament and they dominate. Like, right. so for that, yeah, literally, Maru, uh, Innovation, Armani. Armani's not as big uh, of a name, but he made round of four very recently. Right. Uh, Trap, who is many considered to be the best Protoss player in the world, uh, all of them got knocked out in the group stages by Clem, by Rayner, by Serral, by Astrea. 
Australia, yep. the the one gleaming hope of North America. I uh, <laughs> and like it's just so in one sense it makes me a little bit sad because it feels like the reversal of what we saw from uh the like the sadness of 2013 where it was like oh man i'm gonna tune in and watch some north american starcraft oh the top 16 is scarlet and 15 other korean players and <laughs> she's playing really well but that brain trust that i'm talking about there's three terrans on the same team planning yeah. how to beat her and well she she just got cheesed out of the tournament i guess mm -hmm. i'm not watching the next four weeks of it or three weeks of it. It's like that, that kind of sadness is now starting to feel a little bit like it um, with the Korean scene. And well, I, I see a lot of like in the same way that we kind of talked about Zerg being the adapters. I'm seeing a lot of that coming from the Korean scene is that they have the solid builds. They have the mechanical skill they have the precise movements and the micro and the macro even, but but what you see coming from Europe is just these off the wall builds. And, and like you said, those brain trusts will each throw one of their combined off the wall builds. Cause they all know the same ones, Yeah. but each one will maybe test one of them at a time against these players and, and seeing which one breaks through. And when one does the other three can instantly start using it. And the meta can shift so fast because they are, it's not like they have to go learn that build and watch that game. They just all go, oh, that's the one that works. All of us will drop our others and run that one now. And, and Korea has been having to, they've been a little bit on the back foot. They've been having to react to these very new, because, because Europeans are catching up with skill. Sure. They may not be, you know, the thousand APM gods or anything, but it's getting close enough that it is starting to become a strategy game. And you're starting to see real plays being made very early. And yes, the micro still matters, but the openers or the transitions or the, the mind games are so much more important now. Where do you fake out, you know, that you're researching something on a, a tech lab reactor, you know, a tech lab factory or something is researching and, or, you know, maybe you're going for cloaked, faking going for cloaked Banshee when you're really doing a, a tank push or something like those things become important now. And then do you believe them <laughs> just because you saw the reactor, you know, pumping something out? Maybe it's not. Maybe they're going to cancel and flip as soon as you walk away. Yeah. And I, I think seeing those where Koreans are generally of if you see it, that's what's coming. This is how you respond. Now they're having to be on the back foot because they're seeing things that nobody runs that. Who, who does that? Yep. And and then it works. Yeah. And and it's kind of, they're so used to the domination as a result of their mechanics and just pure grinding and, and pure execution of skill that they don't have, they don't have an answer to the, the, the players that now can match them mechanically. Cyril, Clem, Astrea, um, even Neeb showed up. Uh, Rainer. Right. Uh, now that they have this and they're now fighting at a strategic disadvantage, they're all of a sudden finding themselves in this situation where they're like, uh-oh, like we don't have an answer to this, this overall approach to the game. And uh, funnily enough, the one player in Korea who has been, uh, I talked about a little bit earlier, who has been really dominating in the Korean scene is TY. And he is the one player that really does think about the game at the highest level, I think, in Korea. 
of any other player. He is the one who is like, okay, like, how do I come up with new stuff? How do I pose new questions to my opponent that's going to be difficult for them to answer? But the funny part is he has actually not had the greatest record against foreigners for the the flip side of what we were talking about <laughs> because he was running into these mechanical gods in Cyril, yeah. in Clem, in Rainer, in Estrella. And it's like, yeah, he's really, really freaking good at the game, but he is more focused on the strategic aspect. And these players can match him enough in the strategic aspect. They know what to look for because they have this brain trust. And then it just comes down to the mechanics and it's literally just TY now against the world in this reversal <laughs> of where it was Scarlet versus all yeah. of Korea. Right. So hmm. it's, it's long answer. It has been the slowest tonal shift, but almost a mirrored shift. Hmm. Like, yeah. it, it, oh, it, it's... I mean, clearly I could talk about it for hours, but like it is <laughs> so cool to see and at the same time so heartbreaking because yeah. StarCraft is Korea's game and it always really will be. But it feels right. like... Now, of course, they'll always have Brood War and they're always going to have Brood War. But it mm -hmm. feels like slowly but surely StarCraft 2 is just being ripped. Like th they're hanging on on the ledge and like each finger is being peeled up and uh, at each one you see Serral, Raynor, Clem, Lambo. You know, they're just... They're just, yeah, dragging it out of their hand. Huh. Yeah, I watched a GSL. I think it was the GSL from the, the early summer. So it might have been season one because it was delayed from COVID. Um, but, I mean, TY ran through it. And I'm going to make a non-video game reference, which is not popular for our video game <laughs> podcast. But anyone who's ever watched, you know, the NBA at all, there are times when LeBron James, which that's the most household name that there is, it looks like a man playing with children. Yeah. Like he literally takes the ball at half court and then just runs to the basket and dunks it. And it's like, where, where is everyone? And T Y, I mean, it felt like that same sentiment watching him in the GSL this year, just, I mean, just embarrass people. Ragdolling people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like five minute matches, just yep. done, done, done. And it's like, who is this? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. That's really inner. I mean, I'm definitely going to have to just, throw my my fake snob snobbery away because clearly um yeah it, it clearly it sounds like if i think that's interesting then there's a whole continent of more interesting <laughs> there yes. in europe well and and that's why um that that's kind of for me why gsl has in a lot of ways lost its luster and lost its appeal in terms of uh viewership now i'll still watch it from time to time um but i don't watch it with the same kind of religiousness that i did in early uh starcraft 2 and not just because you know it's a lot of times 3 a.m 5 a.m which is tough for me um for anyone on this yeah. side of the world uh but because the things that make the game interesting to me um are more prevailing now in europe in the european scene and it's it, it is a little bit sad for me but it's also um very exciting to see that growth kind of take place over time, I guess. Uh, and as a commentator, it's extremely exciting. Like it's so freaking cool uh, to have access to that at a, for one, a friendly time, but secondly, just, just get to see this on such a consistent basis and see the growth of these players over the past, uh, you know, when I've really started paying attention to the, the individual metas from players has been like maybe the last year or so. 
it's, it's been really, it's been a treat. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. I so would, oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Nope. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was just quickly going to say, and you don't have to comment on this if you don't want to, because I'm not trying to, 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 to start streamer drama or something um, or caster drama, I guess more than streamer drama, but you know, I would, I would just add, and this will sound like maybe I'm trying to flatter you and I, and I assure you I'm not because it, I would also, I would also say the same thing about winter, frankly. Um, but I, I also think that the GSL, at least as an American consumer an English speaking consumer also is like lacking a little bit because tasteless and artosis while famous and, and beloved and whatever, they really kind of mail it in for a lot of the cast. Like I get that the Reaper queen zergling dance has been seen a million times but they'll just talk about nothing until like an army has showed up somewhere and it's like i mean i followed starcraft for a long time but i like someone to kind of walk me through where we're at or what's happening now that's going to get us to there and and i think that's another thing that that is is really great about non-korean starcraft non <laughs> africa tv starcraft is you get you get a, a wider variety of casters like yourself again winter is another one that, that we're both fans of but um that that just offer a different experience in that way too and again i'm not even trying to hate on tasis and artosis and not that they'll ever listen to this and care but <laughs> the point just being that i i i also think that there's a, a lot of good stuff coming out of the casters um being more diverse i guess well and there there are important moments that happen early like in in the recent games and the recent exxon games that we watched like the first reapers and the first hellions and the dances and the jukes that go on there at, at on one perspective can be made to look like oh this just always happens but it's been getting more intense where that's for a while it was kind of standard but now there's another level of micro on top of it that, that kind of didn't used to be there any before where the maps have more blockages and more terrain on them to, to move through and become a big deal again, where if you lose that first one in an awkward exchange, or if you make the most ridiculous turnaround grenade hop that lands perfect, like it, it, it is important again. And, and it can be, it can make a break an intro to a game where before it, it may not have mattered as much because it was a little bit more standard. I, I think you hit on a really fantastic point uh, with the the difference between what is normal, what is standard, what is supposed to happen, quote unquote, um, and what can happen. Uh, now, some that that's the responsibility of the caster. I feel to highlight what can happen, what could mm -hmm. be interesting about this, what could be different, instead of you know, kind of hand waving like oh, well, okay, he's going to pull back this Zergling and slow, okay, blah, blah, blah. You know, who cares? Well, it's all the same. Um, and first of all, you can highlight that. But second of all, it's very, very important to, even while you're filling for time, and Tasteless and Artosis do an excellent job of filling for time. They are very, very good at it. I would say it's the, it's the thing that more so than being great casters, they are, um, they are very good at putting on a show. They put on a very good show with the GSL, and people people love it. It's not my cup of tea anymore. I, I would prefer a little bit more focus on the analytical, but the the evidence is there that that people do still enjoy it a lot. Um, but I I do think that they it, it can be very easy to hand wave that and just be like, oh okay, well for the first four minutes of the game, we just have an agreement that we don't talk about the game, um, right. And that's a big problem because you can you can go in with that 
thought process, but then be paying very close attention and be ready to at the mo first moment that you see that grenade. Oh shit, that grenade is that just hit five Marines. Oh fuck, it just popped them all airborne. Oh, the Hellions are gonna run to the main base. Oh, they're gonna pick off six SEVs. Oh my god, instead of being like, man, did you see Peaky Blinders last night? Oh man, <laughs> that one guy who does stuff really did stuff well. Like, and that that's that's you know, like a little bit uh <laughs> a little bit like on the nose, but that's yeah. that's been, I would say, the biggest uh complaint about their their casting recently. Uh and of course, you know, it's take every complaint with a grain of salt. But at the same time, I, I think it's important as a, a commentator to to try and look for ways to grow. And I, I think that would be one way that they could definitely continue to grow. And I, I mean, there is, yeah, uh, they, they haven't been to many foreign events in a while. Uh, of course, they're very happy and I'm sure very content with GSL as it is. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, if it were me, I would be looking to um, try and grow myself a little bit more. I'm going to connect some dots that aren't really there probably. But I mean, to some extent, again, a, a little out there maybe, but it, it's a little bit like what you were just describing with the difference in the scenes, you know, in, in Korea. Yep. yep. That's ex no, you're, you're right. Yep. Or complacent and, and the casting kind of reflects that, right? Um, whereas outside of there, maybe, and maybe to your point about curious, right? Like people are more at least expressing that curiosity more. And then that breeds more excitement. And so that, that breeds people not being complacent in that early game and being excited about stuff that maybe 90% of the time it doesn't matter, but when it does, it's really compelling, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm, that might be too. <laughs> no, no I, I think, I think you're actually a little bit right about that. Um, yeah. And it's in, in a sense, it's, it's not almost, it's almost not even their fault because like, yeah. because the strategic aspects of the scene have kind of lagged so much in Korea and have kind of become so complacent, uh, they don't have to pay attention as much for that kind of thing. So it, it's, you know, maybe in, in the EU scene, uh, or the games that I'm used to casting, maybe 35% of the time something off the beaten path happens, which is a great percentage. That's perfect for me because yeah. it still reinforces that, you know, like I'm right when I call it the right way, <laughs> but it still makes it interestingly enough and frequent enough that it keeps that variance up and keeps me engaged There's as well tension. as the viewer. There's tension. Exactly. Whereas in oh. Korea, maybe it's closer to like five or 10% of the time. And then as tension a is, is it cheese? Oh, it's obviously cheese. There's two workers in the first 30 seconds. Okay. So that tension gone. Yeah. Yeah. But you can, as, especially like as a caster, I'm sure you can, because it happens often enough that people are aware it could happen. Yes. That can be your time filler is to build that tension. Like, are we going to see this again? Are we going to see them pull everything out of gas? Are we going to see them do some wild maneuver? Like being able to pull that in, it, it, to me, it makes that more interesting. Instead of having to search for time filler, you can draw people's attention into the game. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And uh, that kind of made me think of one of the players that I love casting more than anything is Masa. The, mm -hmm. fu it's funny, too, because <laughs> he is such a unique case just as a human being. Uh, so he was born in, in South Korea, uh, and then he emigrated to Canada, but 
because he had to stay as a uh because he had to stay as a a refugee like he had to apply for refugee status he could not leave the country physically so until he eventually got landed immigrants landed immigrant landed immigrant status which is basically like a green card for canada until he got that which was like in 2016 or 2017 he had to play only events that happened in toronto or in local like he could not leave the country or he would you know not be allowed back in because of weird laws weird rules yeah um but of course you know uh you have to observe those or you don't get let back in so he didn't want that um but he is such an insanely good mind game player and so inventive uh now he also has damn good mechanics like very very good and they were like they were legitimately about four years ahead of the the time um mm. like he was dominating if he had been allowed to go to foreigner to uh to uh like mlgs he would have probably won two or three mlgs um wow. when it was foreigner only yeah he was so good he was insanely ahead of the time um so it's it's really sad that we didn't get the chance to see that uh yeah. you know maybe it, maybe that's hyperbole maybe he doesn't do that but I, i'm thinking we see at least uh a couple of you know top fours top eights top twos uh and i i do think he probably would have won one or two um huh. but yeah he is so unique in the way he approaches the games he would come up with stuff that no one else had, had uh thought of like uh i remember to speak to the one tournament that i did cast uh kings of the north so in the grand finals of that it was a best of seven versus neeb uh one of the games it was on uh i, I don't know if you're familiar it's a map called Arena. it's mm. oh a, a ways back yes it is a ways <laughs> back yeah yeah so that's yeah it's like four years ago um it is a map where the two players they spawn and there's like uh, a vertical spawn and there's a bunch of dead airspace, and then there's a very narrow bridge, and then there's a wider open area around the side where you can go across, and then it just expands to the side. So it's it's a mostly horizontal map, I guess would be the way to describe it. But there is only uh, two hexes on the bridge. And I remember Neeb, he would be like microing his stalker. He'd be, he was doing this in all his games. He was really, really good with it. Uh, and so Masa sneaks an SCV around the other side of the bridge and build oh my god i remember yeah this. it was so cool he builds a depot and traps the stalker in there and i'm like holy <laughs> shit masa you fucking yeah. genius <laughs> so crazy. good I, yep that was that was and that, that map was so weird too yes. because there was a lot of space where like it was expected that the terran would just medi drop like yeah, you just yeah. or bold or you put the tanks there yeah. And you just block the bridge and you do medevac drops to the back of the base. And that's the expected gameplay. And he was just like, I'm just going to go all the way around the long way. Yeah. But you're going to have no defenses. You're, all your stuff's going to be open. And I'm just going to destroy all your production. And that's it. It was it was such a small little move, but it was, oh God, it was so cool. And it got my heart racing. And that Ooh. is the kind of stuff that like really like amps me up for it you know like I, I was so excited to see that and i was so glad it happened in the grand finals too because there was like there was like four thousand people watching or something and it was like like yeah man like show show your stripes like show your yeah. your caliber and how good you are as a player uh and i, I was just really glad that he got to you know kind of show that off a little bit that's awesome that's awesome 
So one of the, you know, we're kind of coming, coming close and then we got two hours on the belt, which is amazing. <laughs> um, and uh, one of the things before we, we do too much wrapping up that we got to know is, is our tagline is why gaming matters. And so one of the things that I definitely want to pose to you, however you want to frame it in whatever way the phrase like strikes you as true is just to kind of let the audience know why does gaming matter to you? Okay, that's or why do you think gaming matters in general? However, you want to answer it. Yeah, that that's um that's a really good question, and I I think it is I, I think it's great that you've built the podcast around it because I think that's at the end of the day the most important question, um more so than anything. And like yeah, um like why does anything matter to anyone? Um, right. so I think gaming is and esports and video games and and everything about that is really important to me because it's given so many people an identity that 20 30 years ago didn't exist um you think about what it means to be uh like a nerd like for such a long time it, it was it was so culturally unacceptable to be a nerd, right. to be a geek, to be uh, whatever. But video games give an opportunity for people to like, first of all, that that is not the case anymore. It's it's yeah, no it's longer- a badge of pride now. Exactly, yeah. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm a nerd, hell yeah. Um, that, but like for, uh, sorry if I'm swearing by the way, a little, yeah, just a little bit in the last, last little bit. <clears throat> I uh, don't know if it's if it's uh, PG thirteen or whatever. <laughs> Fine. Okay. Um, yeah. So in the the last little while, you have this this big paradigm shift where it's become so much more accepted, and it is it's it's just really cool to see something that will provide a gateway not only to uh, people being accepted for playing video games because of course they've gotten popular and it's it's cool to play video games now but now that has provided a gateway for other nerd culture to make its mm -hmm. way to the surface D, &D mm -hmm. is now something that's so much more accepted Huge. it's massive it's, it's bigger than it's ever been before fifth edition has sold more copies than all other editions combined that's it's amazing nuts that's nuts and that is yeah. um obviously it's on its own merit mostly but that is also thanks to the fact that it's now culturally acceptable to be a nerd. Um, yeah, and streamers have taken it on too. The streaming has helped D&D &D just as much as it's helped video games yeah. in, in many ways. Yeah. Um, so so like what video games mean to me is that it's, it's a home for so many more people that maybe wouldn't have had it before. Um, and it's, it's a way for people to, to kind of come together. This this sounds a little bit like cliche and like kitschy. No, community is a huge deal. Yeah, well, honestly, this is, this is a very thoughtful answer and not one that he and I have given. I mean, we talked for a long time about you know what to to kind of what the premise of the show was. Mm -hmm. Like, what are we what are we ultimately trying to suss out? Because we're not about a single game. We're not about a single genre or a console or, or anything that that nuanced. Um, but no, this is a that that's a, a very thoughtful answer and a very a very good one. And by all means, if you have more to say on it, please continue. I don't mean to, to railroad you out of it or anything either. I didn't mean that. Just, uh, but no, please. That 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 that's great. Um, I don't. I don't think I really have anything too much more about it. Just that it's, yeah, it, it's nice to give an outlet 
to more people. Um, and, and you could argue that that was inevitable with the rise of social media anyways, but I think video, I, I, I would, I would counter argue that and say no. And I think video yeah. games are, uh, a good place for, uh, people to, you know, channel competitive spirit, uh, to channel. And, and it's not, and, and the thing is, it's not just competition. You have games like animal crossing that were yeah. so cathartic for so yep. many people when COVID-19 started, like mm -hmm. I, I building a happy community. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like it's so nice that that is a possibility that that is something I can't travel in the real world. I can post my code and somebody can come fly to my Island. Yeah. And buy your onions or buy your mm -hmm. radishes. Like <laughs> it's like that, that shit's great, man. And like the ability for like a 25 man raid or whatever to go out and like, work for like six hours or like months taking down a boss. And then that sense of pride and accomplishment, huh? Um, <laughs> uh, unironically when you actually take it down and you're like, hell yeah, guys, we've kept at this for such a long time. Uh, it's just, it's a nice, I hate to use the word escape because that, that implies like more negativity, but it's like, it's such a nice break. Yeah. From sometimes the monotony when, it's really hard to get away from that. But like similar to how some people need to work out four to five times a week uh, to keep their sanity. Some people need to play D and D once a week. Some people need to be able to play video games a couple of nights right. a week. Some people need to, you know, knit, do crafts. Like it, it's just, it's another way for people to express themselves and to people for people to be comfortable with who they are. Yeah, that's no, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah that, that's a, that's a terrific answer. And I couldn't agree more. And and the point you bring up about how it elevates uh, the rest of, of what we'll call nerd culture is so accurate. It, it, you know, I, so I think, and this is a total tangent here, but I think that, um, I think that Warhammer 40k <clears throat> as an IP is super, super cool. Yeah. Right. Like, like the, the 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 universe that they've created is so cool, but I don't want to play a tabletop game. Like I'm not gonna right. buy miniatures, I'm not gonna paint miniatures, I'm not gonna pay someone else to do it. And honestly, I've watched people online. I mean, I looked up YouTube videos of people playing the tabletop game to see if I thought it would be interesting. And no, I, that's not for me. And yeah. I'm not hating on people who want to do it. More power to you. Hope you love it. I'm just good. <laughs> but I want to be in that in that IP, right? Well, Warhammer 40K video games largely also kind of suck. Like mm -hmm. there's like, the Dawn of War RTS series is probably the closest that they've the got. The Battlefleet Gothic is getting like battle the newest Battlefleet Gothic is pretty pretty decent. So yeah. they're moving in that direction, but there's so many missteps along the way too. Uh, yeah. Sucks. I mean, I think the number one rated 40K game is Space Marine from like 2011 and that game right. is pretty trash. Um anyway, all of this is just to culminate in saying that so this spring I actually bought a, a trilogy of Warhammer 40k novels and read them that would have never 10 years ago that would have never even crossed my radar as a thought you know what I mean mm -hmm. but so to your point like gaming in general has kind of brought everything more to the fold and I agree with you that you could say social media but no because if it wasn't for the thank god we have nerd, nerd culture because yeah. otherwise you like jersey shore would still be a thing and like still be <laughs> i would rage against it more so uh, so no yeah no, that that's great uh we'll we'll steadfast dave loose aka uh steadfast 
you have been so incredibly generous with your time. Like Brett said, we've, we've hit over two hours. Yeah. So thank you so much for, for joining us tonight. Um, obviously we've been, like I said, at the very beginning, we've been in, engaged with your stream as you've been casting the team Exxon weekly tournament. Uh, we plan to continue to be engaged with that. So we'll definitely be there uh, watching you put, put that on um, with, with the casting. People can follow you on Twitch. They can follow you on Twitter. We'll have links in the show notes. So they can click directly on it, but please, so they can hear it. Where should people find you to check out your content? Uh, yeah, shout yourself out. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, first of all, thank you to ha for having me. Um, thanks, of course, for sponsoring the tournament. This was a really cool opportunity. I'm really glad to be on the show. Uh, it was fun. Um, but yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash steadfastsc. Uh, similar to your uh, <laughs> your sadness about the having to make changes to the name. Yeah, I have a few yep. different ones. Uh, so my Twitter dot twitter.com slash steadfast sc2. Uh, YouTube is going to be uh, steadfast space sc2. Uh, I guess Instagram that I never use is steadfast sc2. Uh, I think that's it for the shout outs. Uh, obviously, big shout out to Team Exxon. Um, yeah. They're awesome people. Uh, Drick, it's a cool guy. And uh, yeah, shout out to you guys for uh, for putting this together and uh, and having me on. Well, yeah, thank man. you. Thank you so much. Yeah, like I said, really appreciate you coming on. And yes, I will I will echo your statement. Shout out to Team Exxon and, and Drickit. Um, we've been just thrilled to be a part of of those those two 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 last weeks and, and looking forward to continuing to be a part of it. So um, all right. Well, thanks a lot for your time, Steadfast. We appreciate it. So that's all for our episode today. If you like this episode, consider buying us a coffee over at ko-fi.com slash puyspod, or tell a friend about us. It really does make a difference. All of our links and social accounts are available in the show notes, and if you want to hear more of Walker's insights on topics outside of gaming, check out his other podcast, The Walk Show, which is available everywhere podcasts are found.